Hey guys, and welcome to this episode of The Elbow Show. Alright, before we jump into today's podcast, just to set the stage, I'm going to talk for a few minutes about, you know, the kind of things that me and my guests are going to be talking about. And, oh yeah, if you happen to notice all this strange ambient audio, a lot of movement, a lot of uh, random noises in the background, it's because I'm actually uh, on my way to work, and I'm just uh, recording this podcast intro. Uh, on the way there, it's a very busy uh, Wednesday, Wednesday morning. Yeah, it's a very busy Wednesday morning, uh, and it's, I'm just very excited to, you know, to release this podcast. And I couldn't wait because the reason is this has been probably one of my favorite podcasts that I've ever done. Because me and my guests, we go really deep into a bunch of topics that I'm very, very interested in. So as you guys know, you know, the channel right now is. I guess you could say mainly about cars uh, and about, you know, Japan and, and JDM culture. Uh, but also, like, the, the other side of it that I always try to showcase or, uh, you know, talk about, show in, in the videos and in all my, you know, social media posts on Instagram, all these podcasts, is I want to give you guys a glimpse into my life and to, you know, through my personal journey, give you, hopefully... Uh, some ideas about how you can live your life, maybe through maybe following in my footsteps in some manner, or by avoiding some of the pitfalls that hopefully I'll be able to and have been able to show uh, to you guys. So, in today's podcast, uh, I'm joined by, uh, I actually, I'm, I'm doing this uh, recording before uh, the podcast, but we've already done the podcast a week ago. So anyway, I'll, I'll give a quick introduction to my friend. Uh, Tony Michael Head. He is an amazing guy. He's one of my best friends. Uh, we actually lived together in Gunma, and that's where we met uh, back in the countryside of Gunma when he was living here in Japan. Now he's living in uh, LA, and he's pursuing, well, not pursuing, he, he is actively on his journey of being a, the next step of his, you know, the next step of his career, which is a complete uh, uh, change from his previous career of teaching English here in Japan, and now he is a full-stack developer uh, in a tech company in LA, and it's just been really incredible to see his journey, not just because he was able to make such a huge shift in his career, but because of the mindset and the things that you know he really focused on, not career-related, not directly career-related, but a lot of, a lot of deep things like uh, you know meditation, self-improvement practices, that he was able to be extremely consistent with and highly disciplined with. And so uh, in this podcast, we're going to talk a lot about that stuff. We're also going to talk a lot about uh, stuff like my YouTube journey and for me, what it, what it means personally for me, uh, where all this stuff is going. Uh, and also, I want to give you guys a heads up about two things. So the first thing is that several times in the podcast episode, there are going to be some strange gaps, and that's because the podcast software that we're using, uh, it's, a, it's this app called Anchor, which actually is really great. I don't blame the app, but I do blame the sporadic Wi-Fi connection or the sporadic uh, 4G connection that Tony, unfortunately, had to contend with back in the States. And so at several points in the podcast, we actually lose a strong connection, and then eventually we gain it back. 
and we kind of have to abandon that old thread which we were talking about. So you know, at a couple times, uh, a couple maybe a few times in the podcast, there will be a sudden, a sudden gap, and it might be a bit jarring, but I ask that you bear with us. And if you have the time, please listen to this entire podcast. Uh, which leads me to the second thing that I want to uh, uh, tell you guys about uh, before you actually listen. And it is the fact that in this podcast, we go really deep into several kind of esoteric topics that I'm really interested in, interested in as kind of like a pet interest, but also just because, you know, I'm very deeply, I'm very interested in, in discovering more about well, maybe not discovering, but like just trying to ask questions about, you know, about life and the nature of life and nature of reality. So it might get a little bit uh, weird, a bit esoteric, but I ask that you listen to the entire podcast because I want to try to, uh, or I, in the podcast, I did kind of, oh, Ohio. Yeah, I, one of my colleagues just walked by, so I had to say good morning to her. That was Ohio means good morning in, in uh, Japanese. Where was, where was I? What was my thought? Right. Uh, we're going to get into some esoteric topics. So I hope that you take time, give this podcast a chance, and listen through the whole thing. And hopefully you'll be able to see some of our thought processes of why we became interested in some of these topics. You know, what kind of like the backstory is and why we think it is a, an important field of study. So anyways, uh, I just ask that you guys listen to the whole podcast once you start getting into it because a lot of the gems are at the very end. And I've already been talking for five minutes, so let's just jump right into the podcast. I hope you guys enjoy this. It's a beautiful, beautiful uh, workday here in Japan. I'm going to get into the office, and I hope you guys have a wonderful day. So without further ado, here is a very wide-ranging and quite long two-and-a-half-hour podcast uh, with one of my best friends, Tony Michael Head. So you guys enjoy. I'll catch you guys uh, in the next one. Hey, what's up, Hey, man? Tony. Perfect. Can you hear me? I can. can hear you well. Awesome. Great. So let's just jump right into it. So, hey, everybody. Welcome, Sounds welcome, good, to, every, uh, <laughs> welcome to everybody. Welcome to this episode of The Elbow Show. I'm joined with one of my, one of my best friends, actually, uh, from... Way back in the day, uh, we've had so many crazy adventures together. Uh, this is this is Tony, Tony Head, Tony Tony Diesel. Go by a Tony Michael Head, Tony Head now, or uh, uh, yeah, you just call me Tony. Uh, if people want to check me out, they can find me by Tony Michael Head. Perfect, awesome, cool. So Tony, what are you what are you up to right now and and uh, these days? Just give us a quick rundown. For me, I haven't uh, you know called you in a proper phone call uh, for a little while now, so I thought this would be a great chance to catch up as well for for us. So it'll be new to me as well what you've been up to lately. Yeah, for sure. So um, as you know, I've spent uh, well probably about the last four and a half years in Japan um, when we were hanging out. I was teaching English and. Um, about two years ago, I had a calling to come back to the States and uh, get into the tech industry. And so I spent all my free time or a lot of my free time on the side, um, you know, my off time from work, uh, working on learning how to code and develop my skills. And uh, I came back to the States and I've just been hustling. Um, 
I got my first job about two years ago, my first professional job mm -hmm. in the industry. And it's just been absolutely fantastic. Um, I've just been loving it, loving life ever since and uh, continue to continuing to develop my skills and grow. Um, I actually just started a new job, uh, a new gig uh, about three weeks Congrats, ago. Congrats, man. And uh, switched. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. I mean, it's just, it's, it, I'm just loving it. And uh, I'm loving what, you know, working in the tech industry, uh, especially as a, as a software developer affords me in terms of uh, flexibility with like working remote. And um, yeah, it's just really great. So what does a, I know you just got started and maybe, you know, everything is not uh, completely standardized or like you're still, you're still kind of going through training, I guess. And, uh, you're still, there's still a lot to learn. So uh, everything's, everything's not completely stabilized yet. But right now, what is what is like a day in your, your life like, uh, like job-wise? Yeah, for sure. So specifically for me, uh, I work on a team where we do contract deals with the entertainment industry. And so there are some uh, well-known companies that I am working on projects with. Um, and they contract out their, their software to us. And so, for example, my current role is to work on a video player for a streaming service. And, uh, as you mentioned, yep, I'm just getting started. So, you know, being my, uh, having just finished up my, actually, I just finished my second week. So going on my third week, um, as far as like training and stuff goes, uh, it's been real chill, um, working closely with the team. And uh, for me, it's, you know, I don't have much responsibility at this point. It's just reading through the code, um, getting used to how everything works. And I've taken on a, a couple uh, small tickets, a couple small uh, bug fixes and stuff like that to kind of get my feet wet. Mm -hmm. And so, yep. so go ahead. Yeah. So if you just wanted like a quick breakdown of the day, I mean, it's, it's honestly probably about, I mean, it's an, you know, it's your standard eight hour day. Uh, I probably spend most of the day just reading the code and coding and working through, uh, working, trying to work out issues. Wow. And sometimes there's like a few small meetings here and there, yep. but yeah, that's, that's about it. It's just mostly me time and, uh, working independently. Okay. So on the day-to-day -day basis, uh, you don't have to, or you don't, work with a like, like a team that, that's around you right you can kind of just do your own thing uh yeah that's mostly true um i do how would I, how should i put this uh i would say like communication is important so for our remote team uh we stay connected on slack right uh which is for those who don't know it's a it's like a messen messaging service for uh businesses to stay connected and so sometimes I might need to ask questions or others might need to ask me questions. Um, but for my specific role, um, it's mostly independent work. We might like a, a small, like what we call it a standup, a daily standup yep. where we just spend 10 minutes briefly describing, uh, you know, or excuse me, in total, all the team members, uh, it total takes about 10 minutes and we just briefly describe what we're doing and uh, what, what, what we might be stuck on if there's any issues like that. That's awesome. And that's through like Slack, like through chat, or is it through like a, like a, like a video call, like a, 
like a, a voice call or like a mm-hmm. is that through like a video call yeah the the any like meeting or conference would be through uh typically it's through a voice call we use you know we use zoom and uh yeah typically just like a phone conversation with you know the team okay uh sometimes there's like a video chat but that's more rare now that's it's it's uh it's really cool how you were able to make like such a big career jump from you know teaching english in japan to you know heading over there be, being in california uh in the tech industry that's a huge jump do you have any experience with coding before you made that jump yeah that's a great question um so i've always been interested in computers and technology and i did spend time when i was much younger um yeah my first my first experience with like air quote coding was working with, if you remember the days of like uh, GeoCities or Angel Fire. Oh yeah. Like HTML, uh, CSS pages. Yep. Yep. That's yep. exactly what I um, used to do too. Yeah, man. So like when I was 12 years old in middle school, uh, I was obsessed with the, the game Pokemon. Yep. And I created my own like Pokemon fan website. And so like that was my introduction into to web development and uh, you know, uh, I guess I, you could say coding, but uh, you know, at the time I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, were you using like was... Dreamweaver or uh, like what the way I would do it is I, I used mm-hmm. to post, I used to have an account. Oh, I, I had several blog accounts, you know, before social media. There was like Zanga and like, you know, MySpace. And I also had mm-hmm. like an account on uh, a platform called Asian Avenue, which was, <laughs> you know, like, a, a lot of uh, OGs will probably remember this service, but, you know, it, essentially it was, you know, you could have an account and it would, you would have this default kind of screen. It was a very, very basic home screen, mm-hmm. but you mm-hmm. could, you could modify the layout however you wanted to. You could, you could input your own uh, personalized HTML and you could, you could put in like, uh, like a, a background image and then overlay kind of like like tables on top of it and okay so like this was kind of my first experience with you know web design and stuff too and i was just always kind of into uh designing a layout on on in, in photoshop and then uploading that mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. the background image like a static background image and then on top of that overlaying like all this like html and like you know the, the way i would learn would be to look at the the like view source of other sites, like uh, other accounts that I liked, take take pieces yep. of that code and then kind of reverse engineer and figure out how it worked. And then just like, sometimes even just copy and paste and like change the values. And like, and over time I would realize like, oh, that's what this does. That's how this works. And then when Dreamweaver came along, uh, I, I, you know, you, it was kind of a drag and drop interface, and then you could also look at the back end and see what was happening with the, with with the with the code. Uh, so like that mm-hmm. was that was kind of maybe like like the second uh, iteration of of my development <laughs> career, if you could call it that. Uh, before you know, we kind of discovered WordPress. This was like much later on, and uh, right, right. And then like through WordPress, 
you know, like it, they had all these themes, but it was kind of like a similar thing where you could go into the back end and you could fiddle with the CSS and you could, you could kind of reverse engineer and like figure it out. But I think for me, one of the things that I never really got into was like kind of coding everything from scratch with like a blank HTML page. I would always kind of start with, you know, like kind of like, like a skeleton and, and, um, and then I could, you know, figure things out from there. But uh, just completely from scratch, yeah, I could maybe create something very, very basic. But it would look no if I had, you know, used those tools, which already had kind of like the everything already, like like the basic layout already coded. Uh, For sure, and you'd probably be interested to find out. Um, a lot of professional development, we don't actually create stuff from scratch. Um, a lot of developer tools and libraries and stuff exists that helps that kind of initiative. So it's, we're usually mm -hmm. not starting from a blank page, although, I mean, that, that does happen from, you know, it depends on the project, but uh, often we're building with uh, like, say like pre-built components and we're uh, snapping them together, like a uh, Lego box or something. And then sometimes you got to go in and, maybe you don't like the size or shape of this block and you got to go in and, and tweak it or change the color or, um, you know, make it so that you can uh, snap like a, a tube or, a, or like a, uh, a different shaped piece on. So, okay. Yeah. So that's, a lot of it is. Yeah. Go ahead. That, that's really cool. I mean, that kind of um, seems almost like an extension of what I was doing before. I mean, for me, I used to have this, uh like not not like a not like an avoidance but like a a like almost like a fear i guess of okay if i have to if i want to learn how to code like all this experience i have kind of like hacking things together would be useless and i'd be like i, I would have to like start all the way from the very very bottom again so maybe that mm. is a misconception that i have i'm sure it's something that a lot of people have um, you know, like I used to try to go through websites like Code Academy, where it kind of like teaches you like just from the very, very basics. Mm -hmm. And I would get kind of like exhausted and burnt out after like a few weeks. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, actually, I think the way you kind of transitioned into this industry was through a coding boot camp, right? Uh, yep. What, you know, what, what was that like from the, from the very beginning? What was kind of like the 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 imperatives to choosing going through a boot camp as opposed to like going back to school or maybe getting your foot in the door uh into the industry some other way um could you kind of walk us through tell us tell us how you kind of came to that decision of uh going through a boot camp and which one you went went through yeah for sure so uh when i was in japan and i was thinking about coming back to the states and I was kind of starting to work out, um, you know, course of action. I actually had a couple of mentors that were already very, very far ahead in their career. Um, I think probably at the time they were both around 10 years. Uh, so senior developers. And I know one of them was leading their own team. And um, interesting, interestingly enough, when I had... Uh, when I had those initial conversations with both of them, um, they both, oh, sorry, sorry, excuse me. I have uh, some stuff going on outside. Um, no worries. Yeah, no. 
I'm actually sitting in my car right now, so I'm, um, you know, it's good for the acoustics. Some got some distraction going. Anywho, yeah. Uh, yeah so, interestingly enough, when I talked to my buddies, um, both independently, but both of them actually said, "Yeah, you should go ahead. You should go take a boot camp." Um, because at at that time, both of them had experience with friends or members that had gone through boot camps and yeah. had known them to be successful. Yeah. So one of my friends, uh, one of these friends who was my mentors specifically gave me the name of boot camp. Um, and I'm definitely not affiliated with them. I won't get any, uh, you know, I'm, I won't get any, any, uh, any cash for saying this, but hack reactor, um, was the boot camp that I specifically went to. And I would agree that they delivered in creating a super challenging environment and, uh, preparing me for the for the business world mm-hmm. um so getting into the boot camp itself was initially quite challenging um and i know every boot camp is different but this one specifically has a reputation for being very tough to get into and so they have a, a technical interview that you need to pass just to get in and i actually failed the first one so i went back to the states uh, I spent about three months preparing for the interview and then I failed the interview and then I, yeah, which was, it, it sucked. And I was like, okay, cool. Like I know where the bar's at. I know what I need to study for. And Hello, so I was kind of able you're to, cutting, you're cutting off there again. Okay, so it sucked, but what it sucked, but yeah. So it, it sucked failing the interview. Um, but I at least had a bit of a positive mind about it and I was able to kind of see like, okay, these are the things I need to learn. Um, this is where the bar's at. So I was able to kind of go back to the drawing board with uh, certain criteria in mind. And mm-hmm. I studied again, my ass off for, uh, another three months. And then I was able to pass the interview and get in. Hmm. So going forward from there, yeah, man, like it was definitely tough. And I have friends that have went through it and, and have been like, oh, you know, whatever, it wasn't that tough. Um, but for me, it was like quite challenging, I would say. Um, it was full on between 13, 15 hours of coding every day, um, including the weekends. That's did you, did you, um, so I, I think correct me if I'm wrong, but kind of like mm-hmm. depends on, depending on the boot camp that you take, uh, mm-hmm. you will learn like a different tech stack. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, I think, you know, for, from my layman understanding of it, um, which tech stack you choose, which languages you learn has mm-hmm. a direct impact on, you know, kind of like what kind of jobs you can get, what your, your mm-hmm. likelihood of finding, uh, uh, employment or a job um, and could you talk us through you know how you decided uh, what uh, tech stack you want to learn uh, and what you would recommend for for people who are choosing to go down this route and even very basically what a tech stack is like I think uh, for a lot of people they're like what are you what are you talking about yep yeah for sure so a tech stack is just your, uh, essentially it's a grouping of tools 
that you use for creating your, your, your programs or your applications. So that includes the, uh, the coding language, the programming language. And then it also includes tools that you might use in conjunction with that. So for example, uh, tools that you'd use to test the code or uh, build the code, um, uh, libraries that you might in, uh, libraries that you might use in conjunction with the code. So like uh, pre-built components and things that you can use in your application. So yeah, you are definitely correct in in that the tech stack does have a uh, has a pretty big bearing on you know your your trajectory in the industry. Um, for example, in my case, I'm a web developer. And specifically, uh, I'm full stack, which means I work with both the front end and the back end. And that just means um, the front end is everything that the user can interact with. So if you if you open up Spotify and you you know use or whatever application you want to open, open it up. Uh, you see like the sliders and the buttons and the menus. Uh, you know you click a you click the menu and it pops up, pops open pop shut uh all of that is front end and then the back end would be anything that's related to the server or like storing data or information uh in the server so because I, so i'm full stack which means i work with both of those and in web development specifically javascript is going to be uh JavaScript is really the only language we have, the only programming language we have for front end. Maybe JavaScript, no matter what. So the boot camp that I went to specialized in JavaScript. And that was kind of how that all uh, fell into place for me. Is that how you decided? You're like, okay, I want to go into, or I want to get into like, like coding with JavaScript. So I will choose like the best uh, boot camp that will teach that. Or mm -hmm. did you have like a very clear idea of like what programming languages that you wanted to learn or you had to learn or that you should be learning? Yeah, honestly, I did not. Um, I went into the boot camp based off of, uh, well, initially my friend's recommendation sparked my interest. And then I, I looked into the boot camp and looked into their, uh, their curriculum. And that, that kind of was what drove me to, uh, to take that path but yeah honestly yeah. in the beginning i i had no idea um as far as like what tools were used for what and you know i i probably didn't even know what the difference between a front end and a back end was at this point wow so okay. yeah and it was actually like, really really quite basic i mean like when we were talking earlier i kind of got the impression that you were already quite well versed in you know at, at least the very basics and so you know mm -hmm. if, if they're like at the technical technical interview they were like oh could you you know, code a simple website, like, yeah, I could do that, like, from scratch. Uh, was that not so much the case? Or was that, is it more kind of like, you know, you could be doing something completely, completely different for the past, what, like, previous five years, and then just kind of decide one day, okay, I want to learn this, I'm going to devote the next 90 days of my life to making this transition. Uh, is that feasible for a lot of people? I think that um, in terms of like being a skill that you could learn rapidly. Um, yep. I think it, it definitely depends on personality types. If it's, if, 
uh, solving challenges and working independently on projects is something that you really enjoy and want to do, then it is definitely doable. Um, okay, so maybe here's a better yep. question. Uh, mm -hmm. So what, what kind of person would this kind of path likely not be the right choice for? Somebody who doesn't like and somebody who doesn't enjoy, uh, who doesn't take satisfaction in solving, solving challenges, um, solving technical challenges. Mm -hmm. I um, think, um, you know, like for, 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 okay, sorry, please go ahead. Please uh, finish that thought. In the, in, in the case of software engineering, um, it's an environment that's constantly growing, constantly changing. And the tools that you're using now, application, may be irrelevant in, you know, six months. And so you're constantly, as an engineer, having to learn new tool sets as they change and evolve. Yeah. So if you're a person Is that it like likes that. Is it like through the course of your, your daily life, you mm -hmm. just kind of, okay, I need to learn this. So I'll kind of like learn a bit of this, a bit of that. Or do you kind of have to set aside a significant amount of your time, not even just your work time, but your free time as well, to keeping on top of the, the moving industry, changing trends, and learning like – like, you know, maybe for, for me personally, like one of my big fears, mm -hmm. concerns, mm -hmm. I guess you could say, it's like, okay, mm -hmm. if I got into this field, uh, let's say I found like a job as a, I don't know, like a developer and like, I don't know, Ruby or something, right? Um, mm -hmm. And let's say like right now, this is like the hot thing to learn and, and understand and know and be able to, to use uh, effectively. But then, you know, it kind of might be like if you're really good at playing StarCraft and suddenly the world is now into uh, Fortnite and then you're kind of like, oh shit, I didn't spend all this time learning this other, in this case, in this, in this game. So now mm -hmm. I'm kind of uh, uh, obsolete, kind of like irrelevant in the industry. So how, how do you kind of manage your time with that? How, how does that kind of work? Is, do you have any fears associated with like, you know, like you were saying, not staying on top of things as much as you should have been and then you become relevant or is it kind of like in the course of your daily life you just kind of figure it out like okay i need to learn this like for this project okay start picking things up here and there and you're generally okay uh yeah i would say for me it's a little bit of all of that um i, I know there's a lot of differing opinions on this matter because it is a very big uh, topic for discussion um in my opinion and what I've found and what people, uh, a lot of skilled engineers will say is that if you stick to the basics, like for Java, learn JavaScript, just basic JavaScript really well and master the basics, no matter how the and ways of using it um, and kind of like uh, what we call like architecture, like how you, uh, kind of, um, how would I put it like, the like patterns that you use it in, even though those might change, as long as you know in and out, uh, you'll be okay to adapt in the future. Okay. So that's that's part of my philosophy. Um, and I know like a lot of people will spend a lot of time side of work, they'll work a full eight hour day and then they'll come home and spend all day the rest of the day coding yep. until sleep. Um so I go through different phases. So there'll be times when I might be working on a personal project that I enjoy. 
and I'll learn that way. Thing that I really need to like force myself. I do it for fun. There's this new. There's this. Well, maybe I'll try that out, and I'll just like make a small project. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how you're able to keep on top of of everything and stay passionate and interested in uh, in the field when you're kind of like working on your own personal passion project on the side, right? For sure, for sure, and and that's that's where. Um, I said like it depends if for like certain like you have to be the the kind of person that enjoys learning. Uh, if if you like, I know for myself, once I start to force myself to, oh, I gotta learn this thing, I gotta, you know, I gotta stay on top of my skills, I gotta, uh, you know, practice outside of work, then I start to, you know, feel dragged down. Um, but when I just kind of let like maybe take it easy a little bit and let my natural uh, passion arise to uh to maybe create a small project or whatever when i let that arise and not like force it myself yeah. uh, learning a lot more even though i might be so that would be my uh hey tony hey man looks like i'm back Perfect. Looks like we had a little bit of uh, technical difficulty uh, a couple of minutes ago. So hopefully it wasn't too bad for listeners. And uh, yeah, sorry about that, man. Let's just jump right back into it. Um, maybe yeah, in that, sure. this is a good opportunity to kind of switch gears and kind of get more of a free-flowing conversation uh, going. I-, I think we kind of really dove deep into your experience, you know, the past for like the past 30 minutes um, and we got really you know specific and you gave us a lot of great advice about uh, joining the tech industry. So maybe just for the second portion, we could just kind of make it more chill and um, just like, you know, just really, really catch up. For sure. So how about this? Sounds I'll good. let you take the lead and uh, you can ask some questions and we'll just kind of bounce back and forth and let's just go from there. Sounds great. Yeah, man. Um, it's interesting. So recently I've been kind of having some, some conversations, uh, with buddies and, um, you know, about cars and, uh, car culture. And it's funny how much drifting comes up in the drift scene. And, uh, you know, like it always seems to come, the conversation seems to inevitably end end up at your channel, which is (laughs) awesome. You know, I mean, like to be honest, because I, before we i honestly wasn't in the cars at that point yeah in my life um i guess it was just a kind of an undiscovered thing um i had always been uh interested in in like music and uh like certain like arts and language learning and stuff like that um but i just hadn't explored the car world so it was awesome that you know hanging out i got introduced to the jdm scene and the drifting culture so i mean yeah man it's been a while since we've we've actually actually, like connected let's um that's there's so many great stories with that so how how did you first get introduced to this world do you remember uh when you and i first started hanging out we were doing the and gymnastics 
Hey, Tony. Hey, I'm back. Awesome. Yeah, it looks like the signal quality is a little bit better, too. Sorry about all these technical difficulties, folks. What did you do to change this, change yes. it up? Hello? Excuse me? Oh, is that a question for me? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, wh- what do I do to change the technical difficulties up? Yeah. Oh, I, uh, I just... Uh, I just changed locations. Okay. Yeah, I was chilling that's, out. That's what I thought. Okay. Chilling outside. It's got closer to my Wi-Fi. Okay. Yeah, that, that's, I'm sure that's it. It's, uh, you need a really pretty strong Wi-Fi signal. So what we are using actually is this awesome app called Anchor uh, to basically record record these podcasts. And it allows me to just give you a call. And it's like super easy to set up making podcasts podcasts before used to be really difficult and really time consuming and really annoying to set up. So uh, 2019 is, is a great time to be alive for podcasting. Man, it's a great time to be alive for just like, if you have a message or if you have something you want to share with a, uh, with an audience, I mean, it's just an amazing time to connect. Speaking of which, I think you are getting started I- with, like uh, doing some, you know, some, uh, well, increasing your social media presence, I guess you could say, or, or uh, trying to get out there with sharing your own message, right? This is something we've just been talking about, like just this past week. That's correct. Yeah. So, yeah. Tell us about that. Man. Yeah, that's 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 getting in, that's getting into some weird stuff. Ooh. I hope you're. Uh, I hope yes. you're ready for yeah, it. Absolutely. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So, one of the cool things about uh, my my new gig and uh, allow it allows me a lot of time because uh, I live in LA, and the commute times can be pretty crazy with yeah. traffic. And eliminating that daily drive, uh, you know adds a, a couple extra hours uh, a day to my schedule, which has been amazing in terms of uh, having a lot of time for kind of just my own personal like development stuff. Yeah. Um, creating a morning routine. Uh, you know, I get up and go jogging. Uh, I create a big, awesome smoothie and get that nutrition, uh, work out and then meditate. Um, and aside from that, I've just had a lot of time to kind of reflect on certain things mm-hmm. and um, kind of connect with, uh, you know, what you might call like more of a spiritual side. Mm. So going into the the content that I started creating, um, it's just a very free form, very chill um, outlet to kind of talk about some of the stuff that I'm experiencing. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Let's just dive right into it. Like, like what kind of stuff? Like... Lay it all out, man. Okay. Um, well, being kind of like a vlog series, uh, you know, I've just like kind of let the camera roll and start talking about um, stuff that I've been experimenting with, uh, things that have been on my mind, uh, like certain philosophies and stuff, um, to give a very specific example. I don't know if we've actually talked about this before, um, but... Ever since I was young, I've always been a pretty, uh, a pretty lucid dreamer in that I've several times a week 
um, without even trying, I often become aware of uh, that I'm dreaming when I'm dreaming and I'm able to take full control of my dreams. Mm. This, this, is, this is something I'm um, deeply, deeply, deeply interested in as well. So I'm super excited to be talking to you about this. Like I've done like a tremendous amount of research on this. I have a lot of, a lot of uh, kind of out there theories and ideas, which I'm sure we, let's get mm-hmm. into it, man. Um, yeah. Dude, that's fantastic. All right. Perfect. Like I, I couldn't be happier. Yep. It's, it's like I'm always looking for guests or, or people to talk about this with. Like not even mm-hmm. guests, just like people in my own life just to talk mm-hmm. about this with. And nobody has the got like gone into it with the same amount of depth that I have. So I'm just kind of like, oh, okay, I just sound like a crazy person here. But okay, so for people listening, you know, like I I would say maybe the things that we're about to talk about might be kind of a bit esoteric or even like be be a bit uh, kind of out there for sure. So what I would say is kind of like if you have a preconceived notion of whatever we are about to talk about, just kind of. Um, lay those preconceptions aside for a bit just kind of like get into this with an open mind uh just have some fun with it 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 doesn't always have to be yes this is 100 percent empirically correct i can prove it versus no this is all crazy bullshit um the truth is often somewhere in the middle and i think you know it's if you're able to come uh, at these kind of topics with kind of an open mind there's so much room for for excitement and uh exploring like all these different new avenues and different things that you might never have considered before so um yeah so with this specific topic of of, uh of lucid dreaming right tony um did you come up with like a protocol to initiate the the uh, you can say it's like it's a weird phenomenon i think um like do you have like some sort of special way to trigger it or uh do you just kind of like you know Mm -hmm. you journal your dreams and then you kind of naturally start to notice when you're in a dream, oh, I'm in a dream kind of inception style or how does that work? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. So in the past, not so much um, recently, since I've been trying to hone the skill and be able to do it more on command and have these experiences more frequently, I've been doing a lot of research uh, like you and I've kind of like learned, like becoming familiar with the techniques. So I am actively practicing them now. Um, when it started, man, I was like probably five years old when I started to have uh, sleep paralysis. Yes. Okay. Yes. I'm so glad. It, okay. This is the segue into cool. this. Okay. Let's go deep. Okay. Okay. Awesome, man. So is this, is this an experience that you have or have yes. been having? Uh, consistently for over 15 years, I'm sure, like for a very long period of time. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. like it's scary, isn't it? Like when you don't know what it is, you're like, whoa, like what is happening? Like this is literally the most terrifying, it's terrifying, right? Like I don't know about you, actually. You know what, actually, um, I, I have I've talked <laughs> to somebody about this like just very recently. And for some people, like there seems to be like, a couple different perspectives on like what is happening, what it is, but for a lot of people, the mm-hmm. common experience is like terror. Like, how, what, what is it for you? Yeah, absolutely, man. So, I've been experiencing this also for a long time, uh, very frequently, several times a week, and even still, there, even still, there is an element of of like pretty strong fear, even though. 
now when it happens, I'm excited because it's an opportunity to go into a lucid dream. But even knowing that, it's like the fear of loss of control. Yes. Like you feel like you're going to be stuck there forever. Yes. For for me, it's um, um, like, I think um, just to kind of, uh, I'm sure like maybe people who are listening to this, like different people have different, different experiences, right? But to briefly mm-hmm. kind of describe what my experience is often like, not always, but um you know like when when i get like this sleep paralysis like usually it's um i'll be almost like okay so basically the the accepted scientific current explanation for it is that essentially your your body falls asleep before your mind and mm-hmm. and then there's kind of like like a disconnect between your 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 ability to you know move your limbs your fingers any any part of your body just like very easily like as you normally would like in any typical waking situation uh and you kind of like you become gripped with this fear that oh why can't i move um the and you can't move that yeah (laughs) you can't move that you can't move uh for me, this is often accompanied by not the fear that I can't move, but the the this actual like terror, like there's like this, it, this almost mm-hmm. like this otherworldly, paranormal. It definitely feels like there's a para, paranormal element to it, and, um, like there's something there, like there's there's something that's actually, like uh, I I feel like a couple times I've actually sensed like. A being like like a presence in the mm-hmm. room, and very often there's also like this this swirling like sound above me, like this kind of rushing, and it almost sounds like if I if I listen carefully, definitely it's kind of like like voices, like I hear like like this uh, uh, this what um, like like just voices kind of like swirling around. And I'm like, what is going on? It's really actually very, very terrifying. And mm-hmm. it it feels like there's like a, like, I'll just straight up say it. It feels like there's some sort of like demonic presence or something. And like, this is what I thought was happening for years and years and years until one day I just decided to just like look into it and research it, right? And one mm-hmm. of the, actually like the typical cultural, like across all cultures, like the typical uh, non, you know, scientific, you could say, like the typical uh, traditional explanation for it is that there is some sort of entity that comes into into the room, I guess, where you're sleeping, around you, and they are kind of directly trying to affect you in somehow, maybe like some sort of possession, or maybe some, some sort of like stealing some sort of your like your life energy and you know think about it what you will like hopefully people who are listening to this are kind of suspending their you know their disbelief their preconceived notions for a little bit like we have gone way off the tangent of our uh initial conversation about tech right but this uh i think somehow it, it will all connect and um for you was your experience ever kind of like this did you have those elements of like there's something there there's some paranormal thing there right so like first of all like that's yeah. the question i'm gonna ask you um just to finish off my thought um hmm. 
like when I was starting to do some research into this, that was the standard, not standard, but like this is what I, I was seeing when I was trying to research what the experience is like across cultures. Uh, and then, of course, like nowadays, there is this scientific um, uh, perspective on it where it is just your body and your mind falling asleep at different times. And in that period, you know, your brain kind of plays tricks on you and makes you like very fearful. It gives you like some, some real fear. Uh, makes you scared. Right. Almost, almost like it's your, like your subconscious is coming out in the form of symbols. Yes. Or, or, or it's, you know, it's directly um, like projecting itself as like a, as like a demon or like a, some kind of spirit in the room. Mm-hmm. What is your, what are your thoughts on that? Like, let's just go really deep into this. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, um, thankfully, I've actually, although I've I've heard a lot of people relating this experience, this seems to be like the number one, like most common thing that people experience. I actually myself don't experience. Uh, I've never experienced that that uh, that presence or or feeling of like a spirit or a being. Um, in the room, although I am actively afraid of it happening because I know that everybody says that. Mm. <laughs> but, um, but interestingly enough, I haven't. Um, although everything else you said is exactly the same as my experience in terms of uh, hearing like voices, like almost like a thousand voices at the same time, almost like TV static being turned yes. up. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Increasingly louder and louder and louder. Um, and also like feelings of like vibration in my body. Yep. And, uh, yeah, just, uh, like a, uh, of like a very, uh, like a strong, um, kind of like a flight or flight fear. You just want to like run or like, uh, like kind of, for me, I, in the past when I've, and maybe even like even more recently as well, um, when I've tried to, when I go into those experiences, I've often tried to just fight it. Yep. Um, try to thrash my body and, and, you know, with enough thrashing, eventually I wake up. But the scary part about it is I always feel like I just almost not going to make it <laughs> uh, like it like it takes every it takes one hundred and one percent of all my mental energy to to wake up. It's like it's extremely like, mentally exhausting. Yeah, like because. I don't know about you. Um, we're trying to, I'm trying to just cut back and forth here to, so we can mm-hmm. uh, compare experiences. So sorry if I cut you for off. Sure. Feel free to cut me off too. Um, so for me, it feels like if I can just move a tiny bit, it'll break like that kind of uh, the hold of it over me. And then I can like you snap mm-hmm. out of it and you're like, okay, you're, you're awake again, right? Um, mm-hmm. And another, like, really, really interesting part of it for me is that I feel like it's, for some reason, way less scary if below my neck is, like, I'm under the blanket. But if my feet are exposed, for some reason, there's, like, this primal fear for me. Mm, mm. Like, uh, or, or if, like, totally. more of my body is exposed, like, if I'm, like, half underneath the blanket, I suddenly feel, I think there's some sort of symbolic element to it. Um there, there's, I think, in this kind of uh, like dreamlike state, symbols are everything. So I, I think the, the, just like uh, uh, even though you're just covering, 
like just some aspect of your body like it, and it's like of course i know that it's an extremely thin layer of fabric it's not going to protect me from anything right but the idea that it's a cover or protection of some sort that has some sort of weight in this kind of mental landscape um i, t- I totally relate to that and like most of my like whole life i've spent like i've always like even now even though i've kind of overcame that fear a little bit i'm still like not quite comfortable unless i like pull the blanket over my head because mm. i feel like and and the only reason is because i feel like if i go into sleep paralysis that's when it's gonna that's when it's gonna protect me ah <laughs> oh, that's so interesting <laughs> you still sleep like that like um like over your head I, I probably haven't for maybe the last, like, I don't know, man, like maybe like five or six years, but I it, like from time to time, I still feel like an anxiety, like a slight anxiety will arise, um, yeah. especially if I'm just like sleeping alone and, and I'll think like, oh, sh- pull the blanket over and then, and then I'll just like consciously be like, nah, like, like like you're over that you know like that was you know that's that's like kid stuff but uh that fear still exists and it arises so the, which is interesting which is interesting mm-hmm. yeah it's it's okay so a couple things about that like it definitely is way less scary when you're sleeping next to somebody and mm-hmm. then you feel like okay like it, and, the, and the thing is though right like they, they they don't experience it like what you're experiencing but just the fact that they are there, their presence makes it infinitely less scary for one thing. But it also seems to make it less likely to happen um, for me, at least. Um, and the other thing, too, right, is like uh, I don't like to put pull the blanket all the way over my head because then it feels like I don't have a blanket at all. I'm just like underneath it. Like it's, 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 it's oh, weird. wow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, and and. And then the other thing too is like I don't like to be like I feel a bit suffocated if I'm completely underneath it, but yeah, if I'm mm-hmm. completely mm-hmm. underneath it, it's just like I'm just like like kind of like naked underneath it, right? It's within that space. Yeah, right. But totally, if yeah. I if I have the blanket kind of like shrouding me, then mm-hmm. it's kind of like I'm wearing it, like it's it's a it's a protection, right? Does that make sense? It there is it, it's symbolic. It it Hello? totally makes sense. Yep. Hello. Hello. I'm still here. Okay, great, great. Okay. Uh, I got like a disconnect warning, but I think we're okay right now. So yeah. Uh, yeah. What do you think about that? Man. Yeah. Um, I mean, I totally get it. You know, it sounds like our, our experiences are just like, you know, variations of each other's, but um, yeah. Like, what does it mean? Man, I, I, I just don't know. I mean, I, it's just a feeling of a, uh, for me, like you said, it's symbolic. It's just that that symbolic feeling of safety. Yep. Um, like almost like if, and, and like granted, I've actually never really fully um, like I, I. It's something we can talk about. I, I'm aware of like the theories of like astral projection and like, like there being an actual spirit in the room and yep. some of that stuff. But um, I I feel like it's just the feeling for me. It's like I. I feel like if I if I can't be seen, then I'll be protected. Mm. That's I guess that's what it is for me. But like, how that integrates into the whole like the whole experience and what does that mean? I'm not fully sure. 
yeah i I have some what do you what do you think so i Mm -hmm. i think it's kind of like this is like of of course uh this is just a, a theory right but um in the context of this situation i feel like your belief your your belief in something makes it true if that makes sense uh so it I, I feel like the way it works with this like like let's say like you know going off the deep end like if like these kind of astral worlds uh exist and uh i i think a lot of the basis of it is like symbolism and um like what you are bringing into into it and what you're projecting and i think kind of like it's this like that world is it doesn't have structure so your brain has to kind of somehow force it into a structure that makes sense to you and only like personally to you only so everybody's experience will be slightly different but your experience mm-hmm. be kind of colored by your own life experience and your own thoughts and your own preconceptions uh and whatever things that you believe so if you believe that so for example if you are like a very devout christian for example and you mm-hmm. you very much believe in a very black and white okay angels and devils right yeah i i i suspect possibly part of what is happening is that those cultural um like that kind of cultural programming will manifest itself somehow in what you perceive so if you like i was saying if you kind of like grew up like in a very kind of devout christian household and you had a very very strict upbringing and it's very much so like okay if you do bad things you will go to hell uh and you will see the devil like like all all this kind of like simple like uh uh these these memes basically right like these ideas which have been propagated yep if these archetypes are yes the, right exactly if these archetypes are solidly in your brain as something that you believe uh even to some level but at a deep level even maybe like at a subconscious or a subconscious level but maybe like in your daily waking life as you go through your daily life you're, you're not thinking about these kind of things but it's kind of like when you are in a in a frame of mind where your subconscious is then now allowed to express itself allowed to come out mm-hmm. uh, of uh from being behind your you know your your daily lo- waking logical mind it's allowed to kind of uh um like ca- kind of come out to play so to speak what what it's using is those archetypes that you have in your head so so to get back around i feel like you know uh, um what people are experiencing has a common like it's it's shrouded in like this mystery that we can't see unless we perceive it through our cultural lens if that makes sense uh yeah it makes it makes perfect sense and uh it's 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 awesome that you're that we're having this conversation right now because it it relates um into the the next thing i was going to say about uh about like why i'm like specifically why i want to hone the skill of lucid dreaming mm-hmm. and and also kind of like what i'm exploring with my channel hello um yep i'm here you still there yep 
I can hear you, but I don't think you can sorry, hear me. Sorry, sorry. Uh, we cut off again. So where I laughed at you okay. was the specific reason why you wanted to hone the skill of loose dreaming was? Yes. Okay. So uh, relating to what you were saying with uh, the mind give, being given almost like a, like the freedom to express itself, and I would say like subconscious, being able to express itself via imagery and symbols and experiences. Mm-hmm. So, uh, almost like, have you happened to, to dive into any of the, uh, the literature out there and ex- experiences that are people, people are having with like psych- psychedelics, yes, yes, um, yes, yes. DM- DMT, yes. ayahuasca, all that kind of stuff. Yes. It's cool. all connected. So, yeah. so we're going to have a really awesome conversation with this. I believe so. So, um, I'm actually... And I've actually had a couple experiences with this already, um, going into lucid dreams, dreams like this, but I'm exploring lucid dreaming as a tool to have kind of like a, I'm air quoting psycho, like a psycho, uh, psychedelic experience. Yep. And to act, to actively like have a conversation with my subconscious to learn more about myself and about the world. Yep. And so this can this can express itself. Um, this has expressed itself. I have a couple of videos actually already um, where I'm talking talk about a few lucid dreams I had where I was able to go into the dream and I was able to, you know, still have the same intention that I had in my waking state. And I was the dream that I had uh, presented to me like very interesting. It was a very interesting experience. And I have learned from the last couple ones that I've had. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm being vague, but I, I can unpack those uh, at, at some point if you want. Mm-hmm. Um, hello? I'm still here. Yeah, okay, sorry, sorry. I, th- I thought you were going to um, finish that thought um, in a different way. Um, but what I was going to say is that, okay, so I think the connection between uh, sleep paralysis and lucid dreaming, there's uh, a direct connection because I, for me, the way it works is if you wait long enough, you fall into a lucid dream. Mm-hmm. Is that mm-hmm. how it works for you? It's like, if you get sleep paralysis, like usually the fear is like kind of overbearing. You're kind of like, I need to get out of this. Mm-hmm. I need to do it. I need to expand 101% of my mental energy just to like break the mm-hmm. hold. Right. Um, right. Mm-hmm. And so when I was researching into it, uh, I had, I discovered the connection through research where it's like, if you, uh, if you wait long enough, you can accidentally find yourself in mm-hmm. a lucid dream. So, like that is like the most consistent way to get into a lucid mm-hmm. dream. Versus sometimes you just accidentally realize it while you're in your dream because of some sort of kind mm-hmm. of in the context of whatever you know dream story line that you you're experiencing. Something doesn't make sense enough that it kind of uh, makes you realize that oh, okay, this is not actually. Uh, realistic in the real world. Um, like, for example, mm-hmm. like you will look at the clock and you look away, you look back at it, the time has changed. And that is actually yep. one of the strategies that I I use. Um, if, if uh, like, even in my daily waking life, I do it as a training so that I do it when I'm dreaming. And then sometimes... They call those, they call those reality checks, right? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, yeah, and then that allows you to then hopefully 
remind yourself when you're in the dream, like, oh, okay, I am in a dream. It's it's exactly like Inception. It's very Inception like. It's it's. I mean, like the basis mm-hmm. of it is you know uh, lucid dreaming, right? Um, and for for you, is 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 the connection the same? Is that is that the mechanism by which it works? It's like you just wait long enough, and then you kind of. For me, like I feel like I fall through the bed, or I kind of like. Exp- there's different ways I experience it, but I feel like mm-hmm. there's a transition where I'm kind of like I be I become kind of uh, uh, I start thinking about like other things and kind of like start getting kind of dreamish. But then if mm-hmm. you can kind of like hold on and just kind of stay present um, through that the fear of the sleep paralysis, and you just kind of don't move and you accept it you kind of like let it overcome you and wash over you uh and you just wait long enough and the waiting is the hard part because it it i'm sure it only takes like 10 minutes 15 minutes but it feels like an eternity it's mm-hmm. like for me there's like this deep terror i'm like okay i can't succumb to this but at the same time i've told myself before i've gone to sleep okay if this happens yes this is like you were saying this is an opportunity to learn more about myself and to kind of dive into my subconscious and explore and like kind of like be able to you know really control my dreams because when you have that ability you can literally do anything in the dream if you have the kind of the uh the mental uh uh not courage like the discipline to hold that dream together yeah it takes it takes focus yeah uh because if it's and excited, I'm... it can fall apart hmm. right yeah, for sure. And that's something that I need to work on myself. I, I'm able to have them very frequently, but they, they don't last very long because I've, I've never really like practiced uh, trying to hold my focus with them. Yeah. It's, it's the way you get into it always the same where you have to go through sleep, mm-hmm. sleep paralysis first or is it uh, you can figure out? There's a, there's a couple ways. Yeah, th- there's a couple ways I could speak to. Um, a lot like your experience, uh, you know, going into to sleep paralysis and having had set the intention before, well, pretty much like at this point, my intention is always to go into it from sleep paralysis um, because really the, the alternative to not going into it is to just fight sleep paralysis and just like hate that moment <laughs> being stuck in sleep paralysis. Yep. So, um, but for me, like I haven't, I don't think I've actually tried waiting Um Maybe I'll just give that a try and see what happens. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm almost like 100% sure that I would just, as you, as you describe, I would go into the lucid dream. Um, but the way that you, for me, is that I actively, I, I use that moment as a platform to actively try to push myself into the lucid dream. And the way I, I'll do that, uh, and you mentioned like falling backward and that's actually one of the techniques I, I like, con- I consciously focus on my body getting heavy and falling through the bed. Yes. And then, and then I'll kind of like float in the blackness. Yes. I'll like kind of appear, appear into a dream scene. Yep. So that's, yeah. So that's, so that's one way. Um, the other, the opposite would just be like, I would imagine myself. I'd literally like not even imagine at this point because you're in paralysis and like you physically can't move. But I try to, um, like, I just attempt to move my, you know, my, my self out of my body, like, as if I was a spirit trying to leave my body. Yes. 
Um, and that's, that's, that's another way that I often go into it. Um, and then the other way would just be like from sleep paralysis, I would just be, once I go into sleep paralysis, I would imagine a scenery and just hold that scenery, like really strongly in my mind. And then eventually I'll just like be zapped into it. Yeah. That that Um, totally vibes with my experience as well, especially the part where you kind of, uh, so it, it, it almost feels like you have like this physical body that you can control with you know your your movements mm-hmm. but then like when you kind of in your mind's eye you picture yourself and you can kind of like picture mm-hmm. yourself and you kind of kind of like move around in this kind of blackness right mm-hmm. and like within your mind's eye and i yeah right? and then and then it feels like like that is that it's almost like a separate thing i, I don't know exactly what it is but <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like you can kind of it's you it's like you're imagining it in your head right but then in that state it becomes very very um it takes on a different quality to it where it's it's not quite as concrete as when you're moving around in like physical space but it almost Mm -hmm. it feels very similar um it feels way more uh um what what, what am i looking for It, it feels way more um like, I would say, like, for me, it feels almost more real than my than my actual body, even though I'm aware of both of them. Yes. Yeah. yeah like, yeah, there's yeah. like the dream body. And I feel like more in control of that. And that feels more real in the moment. And my actual body is more of like a, like a limp blanket. You know, it's just like, yeah, it's like a you kind of like like a dead weight, kind of like, uh, like, if if your body goes numb, or something like uh, when you're, you're under like, like, you know, when you like sit on your leg or something and then, and then mm. you let it go and then you kind of like, you can't really feel it, but you can, you can touch it. And it just feels like this, this, like, uh, like the sensation is, is a numbed feeling in comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think other component of it is that you have, like, the more you focus on it, if you're able to kind of fine tune or amplify your focus, which I think is kind of similar to your intent, like the power of your intent then you mm. can kind of uh, feel more there. Um, like you, like that kind of like that dream body of yours is, has a more, uh, uh, like a more concrete manifestation, I guess, like in your head, whether it's in your head or whether you're able to mm. project it out. It's, it's uh, like from kind of like the things I was reading, like they're kind of one way to project like is, is exactly like that. Kind of like you, you, like you were saying, you either, you can fall mm. backwards into like a dream, like lucid dream state. Um, and to get really crazy, it's like some of like the, uh, like the literature I was, I was going through was saying that the, the method of astral projection is, the opposite like you try to pull yourself out of your sleeping body right and then once you're mm, in that okay when, once you're outside of there it's like like you are and i i've i feel like i've been able to do it twice just just twice like and this is um like quite soon after i had kind of uh stumbled upon like the literature of like okay this is how you ask for check if when you get into this kind of lucid dream uh, uh kind of lucid dreamish state you try to like 
step outside of your body um and mm-hmm. and then and then there's all these like weird uh like similar experiences that people have where apparently there's like a like a silver cord that connects your projected body to your your dream body you yeah read i've read that mm. I, i have read about it yeah, yeah. and it, it's it's kind of weird because it's like there there were what what's Sorry, what's funny uh i was to say what's funny because i've read things like this because i i have read some of the literature on on astral projection and stuff it's funny how like reading that shaped my lucid dream experience um like in a i looked behind there's a cord there um and and there was but it was like a it was like a small like it was like the texture and 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 thinness of a spider web it was uh-huh. literally Um, but I'm, I'm like fairly certain that those are just pro- projections of like, say again, you're fairly certain what imagination years. Um, I'm fairly, I'm fairly certain that those are just projections of my mm-hmm. imagination. It's, it's, it's partially possibly not like an actual, you, because like, you had read about it that was in your mind. And then you look back and you're like, Oh, there it is. That's yeah. I'm saying I'm, I'm almost certain that that's the case. But uh, I mean, I'm definitely know, open there, to there are, there are ways to, um, like the, the the literature on on astral projection is really, really weird and like really interesting, right? So it, it's really fun food for thought. Um, but you know, exactly. for my for my experience, right? Uh, yeah, I don't know if you can call that. Like it 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 seems to exist in this weird state where I'm not sure it happened, but I'm sure it didn't not happen. If that makes sense. Um, Mm. so so it's like it it feels like okay in that one instance where i felt like i was able to like briefly pull away from from my body so to speak it could have you know obviously just been a dream but that dream had a very mm. uh real quality to it it almost felt like i was in the same place but there was like there was kind of like uh it was overlaid by another layer of something like it was not exactly like the real world but it was kind of like this mm-hmm. dream world that mm-hmm. exists on like another uh layer of it uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then i think like very briefly i was kind of like snapped back into it i kind of i was kind of like whoa what this is so weird and uh, like the you know i guess like the spell of it kind of snapped it kind of broke uh and i just like woke up again um But that was like a really interesting experience, a dream or, or whatever you have it. And I, I think, you know, for me, the reason why this is so compelling, right, is, is because um, when you tie it into some of the, some of the literature, some of the uh, uh, like discussions around, like you were saying, like psychedelic research, psychedelic experiences, uh, like one yep. really interesting thing that, comes to mind recently do you know the tim ferris podcast Hello? i do and yeah so tim, I'm tim, here. yeah so tim regularly brings on i think you know for him as well one of his deep interests uh aside from you know self-development is actually uh pushing the boundaries of of the mind and exploring uh you know different mental states and human potential with the aid of psychedelics 
um, as as mm. a tool for you know personal exploration, deep research, and kind of like there's a word for it actually. It's I think it's it's psychonauts. To be a psychonaut uh, is to kind of be like a traveler within the mental realms, right? And so one of the guests that he brought on, I can't I can't remember his name at all. Like I'm terrible with attribution, but I remember the conversation that they were having. He was he was uh, talking about. I can't sorry, I can't even remember what uh, what psychedelic he was on. It might have been uh, uh, LSD. It might have been uh, um, ayahuasca. No, not ayahuasca. It might have been mushrooms. Uh, but he was saying how um, he had this basically this out of body experience, right? And he was able to find himself in, I believe, his his parents or his his old family home right and he had the he basically had the opportunity to confirm uh for himself whether it was real or not uh it by 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 looking hey man hey tony awesome we're back sorry guys uh we had another brief uh intermission there unintended because of some technical difficulties uh but yeah let's just jump back right into this really interesting conversation um yeah like i kind of forgot what we were talking about just now uh so i'll I'll let you take the lead of uh where you want to take this conversation all right um yeah i think before we were kind of talking about um like astral projection and the potential of uh, a lot of people believe that using sleep paralysis and going into uh, launching, well, for them, they see it as launching into an astral projection where your actually spirit is leaving your body and you're able to kind of fly around. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned that you've, you've had a couple of these experiences. Um, how do you feel like, what's your stance on on that aspect of it? Like, do you feel like that this is like a potential, uh, like this is potentially like actually happening? Um, yes. And and like, I'm not going to come out and give like a hard stance because I feel like number one, that is, it's like you shouldn't say things are definitely so one way or the other if you don't know. Uh, and even through your own personal experience, if you can't objectively prove it with an outside source, uh, and mm-hmm. by that I mean, like, if you can't verify the information that you're receiving in that state with something that you can verify uh, outside of that, like, like outside of that state in your normal daily wakeful waking life, mm-hmm. um, then it's it's not conclusive. Uh, but I think that is what people should be focusing on. Like if there is this um, belief, this theory, this idea that it is, you are somehow uh, projecting yourself out into the real world, then, you know, you should be able to somehow get some information in that state, which you can then come back and verify uh, Mm. like when you're awake again. Right. So like this, this goes for both when you are, when you go into like a DMT trip, for example, right? Or when you go, um, like you, maybe there should be some information which you can then take out. Like, like for example, you could compare 
like look at something and then go and see if that thing is there in the real world, right? So mm-hmm. that, like, like I remember maybe... what I was talking about uh, before we got cut off. So in in that Tim Ferriss podcast, uh, unfortunately, I can't remember what show. You know what? I'm just gonna scroll through the the what's called his uh his his archive and see if i can find it give me one second yeah um it was extremely interesting let's see available episodes it was about oh man it it might be hard because like his more and more podcast podcast, yeah has been a lot about uh you know like like just on august 17th 382 so a hypnosis conquering his insomnia um so that it, it kind of touches like on the same sphere of, of research. Right. But right. Let's, let's keep going back. I think it was uh, May or April, maybe before that. Let's see, June. Nope. Let's see. April going back further. Uh, March. Okay. I think it's this one. It might be March 21 with Michael Poland exploring the frontiers of psychedelics. It might be that one. Uh, it might be, I remember the guy was like an older gentleman. Okay. Uh, let me see. It, it actually might be that one. I'm not sure, but it might be that one. Um, yeah, it might be that one. Oh, 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 no, no, no. It's, I think it's November 21, 2018, uh, 347 mm-hmm. with Stan Groff. Lessons from 4,500 LSD sessions and beyond. It might be that one. Um, so either that one or the one I was mentioning before. But anyways, like there's probably like five which are about uh, um, it's like psychedelic research. Uh, it might be one of those. It, it might be 2000, October 12, 2018, uh, number 340 with Paul Stamets, How Mushrooms Can Save You and Perhaps the World. It might be that one. I'm not sure. Uh, geez, yeah, it could be any one of these. But anyways, the point is, the story that I remember uh, was the guy that he was interviewing said when he was on one of his, um, I don't want to say trip because that has such a negative connotation. Like, right. if you are not in into like this kind of research, uh, like one of his explorations, I, I even want to say. Uh, he related this experience where he had the opportunity to go to this just so I don't butcher it, I'll just try to make it as general as possible. Um, he, he had opportunity to go into this place where he knew that he would then have the opportunity to go in real life to verify that, whether that was, uh, that existed or not. Right. Okay. So it was something like, like a, like a picture or something, something innocuous mm-hmm. where I uh, like seeing that picture. And then if like, let's say, he would see that person in that picture and then he could then like write down what that person was wearing that picture and then go verify it. Right. Right. And then that would like to him, at least it would conclusively prove that what he experienced was some sort of projection right into the real or some sort of like variation of, of the real world where there is some information he could then get from that state bring back Mm. and confirm it in objective reality right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the reality that that we both currently exist in right now right and then what he was saying that was super super interesting was that in the moment where when he had the opportunity to see that that object and then that he could then go and check later on he didn't 
And the reason he didn't was he had this overwhelming sensation that to do so would be to sacrifice a part of his soul. Okay. Right. And, and, and then like, like, like some, in some sense, uh, at some level to do so would be to uh, like some sort of like a, like a taboo basically um, where it kind of like inform it's information that is that it, it would kind of like, I don't know, like what's, what's a good way to explain this? Like, like, as if the rule is it's that eating the yes, 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 yes. That's exactly what I was trying to say. It's it's kind of like the the knowledge of the forbidden fruit. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's forbidden knowledge for our daily life, right? Uh, or our our like kind of current like daily waking existence as uh, as normal human beings, right? And I know it's 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 that's really out there, but um, like you know, part of one thing that makes me personally more confident about you know speaking about this kind of topic is that just you know people I really respect like Tim, like Tim Ferriss, they are having these conversations, and these are important conversations. I have, I think that the the right time is now to be having them because I feel like our society, our our uh, at least pockets of our society, people who are listening, maybe like in different audiences. Mm-hmm. Like Tim's audience is like very, quite global and quite very educated. Typically college educated. Typically kind of into tech, right? So like like us, right? but they're like mm. normal guys, right? They're not, people, not like crazy people, right? Seeking uh, self actualization, improvement. Yes, yes, yes. They're um. It's it's kind of like through the. Um, so that's a very important point. I think, you know, when you're approaching it through the perspective, through the lens of trying to improve yourself, and this is maybe one of those avenues then it just makes sense, right? This is just like, it's like taking it to the next level. You know, you, you improve your, your diet, you improve your, your physical fitness, and, and then, you know, you need to improve your mental state, how you're, you're perceiving the world, how you're processing things. And then that kind of gets you into, uh, into meditation and then you went to when you keep going deeper and deeper and deeper like then you get into like okay uh, like like psychedelic research and like all this stuff and it's it's all kind of like you're going deeper and deeper into this rabbit hole right uh so, so for you what are your thoughts on the the like is is this an actual like like as you asked me like the same question like is mm-hmm. is this something real is this something or is this just something you're imagining so I would say, mm, okay, it's it's tough to answer, and and I almost don't want to answer it because, you know, I'm I'm very like open minded to the to the potential. Yep. Um, up until this point, I can't say that I've had a single experience, and I've had a lot of them. I can't say that I've had a, a single experience that has been um, something that would be like truly indicative of a uh, astral projection. And you know, it's not to say that they don't exist, and it could just be that I've just personally never had an astral projection experience. You know, maybe I'm tapped into like the lucid dreaming aspects, but uh, the astral projection is just something that I haven't uh, like, um, I haven't been like opened up, uh, say like spiritually or, you know, I just don't have the capacity to do so at this point. Yeah. Um, but what's 
what's interesting is that because of my because of the way I got into lucid dreaming uh and so I always just say that I've I've always been able to naturally lucid dream um but there was a point there was a major catalyst that kind of like really initiated them uh to start frequently and when I was probably about eight years old um I started having really strong um really strong uh sleep paralysis so I started talking to my grandpa who also has strong sleep paralysis and uh he happened to have a book in his library about astral projection oh wow yeah and he was just like hey just you know like it's this it gets pretty weird but you know check this out so at that time i read that book you know cover to cover you were uh, seven yeah. years old wow i think i was eight. Oh my god like, yeah i was i was very young um and so you know i, I got like a oh man i think the book was called soul travelers but i'll have to um i'll have to to look it up it was kind of like a memoir um, where this guy explained his, his a lot of his experiences. He told stories of his of his soul traveling, and um, you know, like his experiences that indicated that they were in fact real. Like he had those kind of like verification experiences. And then the other half of it was a was a guide on how to do it. Okay, so I'll, I'll look that up after. I think it's called Soul Travelers. Um, so yeah, anywho, so little you know, eight year old me was like practicing these techniques to try to like go into astral projection so up until this day when i do have lucid dreams it's very like a lot of the the details begin as if it's an astral projection and i've kind of just accepted like okay like yeah like i have sleep paralysis and then my my soul leaves my body and, you know, it's like, and then I'm kind of flying around and it's very like astral projection like. Yeah. Um, but I also recognize that, sorry, there's like planes flying around the background. Um, I also recognize that it's, I think it's just my brain just playing out. Uh, it's how I relate to lucid dreaming. And so my brain kind of plays out these, these, uh, these like very frequent patterns of like, leaving my body and, and flying around and stuff. Um, but to me, like I've never had anything that's really like that would convince me that it's real. And yep. the reason, the reason is because it's always like the, the, the dream reality is always very different and yes. not, not only a modification of the, for example, um, one, the moment I leave my body and then I'm in my room, it's not my room. It's like, it's the room of my house. Like when I was, you know, like very young, like before I yes. moved or it's like my grandparents' yep. house. It's, it's like, it's like never like actually yes. my room. Or, or, or it might be like something is switched around. Like you might have like, mm -hmm. uh, like, a like a pair of shoes in the corner like you knew was there before you fell asleep, mm -hmm. but it, it would, it would be something else there. Maybe like a pair of boots or something. Right. It, it's, it's kind mm -hmm. of like, it's, like a mirror world in a sense. It's, mm -hmm. it's kind of like there are elements of where you were, but it's, it's also different, right? Mm -hmm. I, I would say that's, that's accurate, but even, even more often, it's like the not even, time. it's like a different, it's a completely different setting. 
Um, and like the the astral projection community, I know they they describe that as you know you're actually in the spirit yep. world, but your your brain is because it's kind of like in a like a dreamy state. It fills in the details with uh, like like it's like eighty percent fact, but it fills in some fiction. Yeah. Yep. 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 Uh, which would which is you know it's a theory to make sense, but I've just never had like like an experience where that 80% matches up with actual reality. It's always like completely okay. different. So that is super, super interesting. That totally, um, like that's, this is the same kind of stuff I've read. Right. And so I can, I kind of ran into like a similar impasse uh, where I was mm-hmm. unable to kind of conclusively, not, not conclusively, but just kind of like, I was really not sure myself where I stood with, with, that right and that was kind of like disconcerting that mm-hmm. it was very frustrating because mm-hmm. i feel like the answer to that question is it's it's one of the most important answers right because then it's like am i just mm-hmm. imagining things or is there something here so i on one level i think i think um you know there is like when you are in these these uh alternate mental states uh, like you were saying, mm-hmm. there are elements of it which are uh, they have their basis in, uh, in 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 your 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 waking world, and then there are elements of it that are filled in by your subconscious, right? Um, mm-hmm. But like like I, I think it still goes back to the the question: Is that a place, or is that just uh, uh, some sort of uh, like a figment of your imagination? Some some sort of uh, a pretty not not projection but kind of like a like uh like a mental landscape that your brain is just creating right uh just mm-hmm. a dreamscape mm-hmm. that you are in um mm-hmm. or is it something external from your brain like that is like the central question right so and so for me i was like i was saying i was i had come up upon this kind of very frustrating impasse where more research into the field of just like uh, like the literature of with uh, with regards to um, astral projection projection techniques, maybe maybe I just wasn't diving deep enough into it. But like I wasn't finding enough information that uh, was interesting me enough because what for me what, the central interesting question is whether it's something real or not. Right? It's that's that's like mm. the most interesting thing for me because then. I feel like if I can conclusively one way or another, maybe not conclusively, but maybe like 51%, 60%, like intuitively, um, intuitively like feel like this is like, it is it, like um, along the spectrum, like it, it is more likely to be some sort of like real or uh, like external, something external to my own brain than just something in my brain. Like if if, if I'm like sixty percent convinced of that, then I can keep diving mm-hmm. deeper and deeper into the literature. Like even just as kind of like a pet project, a pet hobby, pet interest. Just something I, mm-hmm. I would like, you know, keep looking into like when I'm you know, like maybe when I'm killing time or something, when I'm bored, or like like when I'm on a train, like things like that, right? Just something mm-hmm. one of my main mm-hmm. interests, right? And I found actually the the field of research, which to me is an extension of this idea of 
mental projection, basically. Have you ever dived into any of the literature on remote viewing? I have not. No, I've heard a little bit about it, but that's definitely like on the list of things to explore. So it's what it, what do you what do you got? Okay, for me? so <laughs> this is really really compelling, um, very interesting stuff. So essentially, the remote viewing is a protocol uh, that was like a system for you could be it's basically projection, astral projection, but it, it has been codified mm-hmm. into a system that was used by the U.S. military uh, as an espionage tool. So, okay, you're freaking me out right now. <laughs> it's it's, it's uh, there, there's a, like a lot of um, there's a lot of really interesting literature, uh, and one of the most interesting, uh, uh, like the most for me, one of the most interesting and compelling bodies of of literature is this collection of um. CIA documents that were released under the federal, the FOI Act, the Federal Something Information Act, uh, mm-hmm. which is basically it, it's it's this, it's a process within the uh, w- within the U.S. You know, government system that allows uh, normal citizens to make a request for federally held uh, uh, government held information. Uh, to be released into the public sphere, right? And so there's this big okay. throw of of all these like different documents and emails and uh, and, and 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 like research papers into various really strange. We can dive into this like very very deeply like for the next seven hours, but uh, various fields of research. And one of those fields of research was into this. Uh, uh, research into remote viewing, right? And um, basically what had happened is somewhere in like the 60s, 60s and 70s, um, there were there were these government-funded projects where uh, they brought in some noted, like at the time, like these people were uh, kind of in the public sphere for being uh, uh, psychics. And at the okay. time, also, you know, you, you also yeah. had a lot of like noted skeptics, like professional skeptics who would try to denounce their claims as they were being frauds, whatever, right? Like, okay, this, guy, this guy's a fraud. He's like playing you guys. Um, the fact of the matter okay. is those, um, those psychics then were, uh, they, they, were they were like contacted by, by the CIA the CIA for some experiments, for some projects, right? Uh, and I think okay. one of the most uh, notable guys uh, in, in this field, geez, hang on, let me, let me just research this. Let me, let me pull up some names uh, so you, got, you can do your own research cool, later, cool. okay? Cool. Uh, hold All on, right. let me just, like, this is really, really, this is a deep rabbit hole and it's super interesting. So remote viewing. Let me just pull up the Wikipedia page so I, I don't further butcher it with, uh, mixing up information right okay all right okay so this is right from the wikipedia page a remote viewing is the practice of seeking impressions about a distant or unseen target uh purportedly using extrasensory perception or sensing with the mind 
and this was originally uh, proposed in in the 60s and 70s. Uh, it says on Wikipedia the year proposed was 1970, and the original proponents uh, were uh, Russell Targ and uh, Harold Puthoff. Um, and some of the really, really famous people who were involved with this are, are Ingo Swan, who's a, uh, famous for being very powerful uh, psychic, right? So anyways, okay. so let me just kind of read through this Wikipedia page for you. Uh, okay, so first, actually, the Wikipedia page, you know, immediately starts off with the stance that like, okay, they're trying to discredit it. Uh, and so what it says is like, uh, remote viewing experiments have historically been criticized for lack of proper controls or repeatability. Uh, and there is no scientific evidence that remote viewing exists. And the topic is of remote viewing is generally regarded as pseudoscience. So, you know, when you start off with that, when you frame the, the conversation like that, it kind of mm. immediately kills it, right? And which is really unfortunate because there is actually a lot of really comprehensive literature about this topic in fact like i was saying there are all these uh, there are all these uh, cia documents that you could quite easily find if you just google like remote viewing cia documents right okay um, but okay so whether or not you want to dive into this it's uh, your own prerogative but for me i think it's extremely compelling and it's worth looking into right? just as a as a disclaimer there so basically remote viewing is expected to give information about an object, an event, a person, or a location that is hidden from physical view and separated by distance. And okay. so, uh, so the physicists, uh, Russell Targ and Harold Puthoff, uh, they were parapsychology researchers at Stanford, uh, Stan at the Stanford Research Institute. And they were credited with coining the term remote viewing uh, to distinguish it from the the related concept of uh, clairvoyance. Okay. And so remote viewing was popularized, or it not popularized, it came into the public uh, sphere, uh, kind of like the public, like people, the public became, uh, they, they knew about it from the 90s uh, because of the declassification of some documents uh, which were related to something called the Stargate Project, uh, which was a multi-million dollar program. It was like $20 million re research program that was sponsored by the U.S. government uh, to determine whether there was a potential military application of psychic phenomena. And so, hang on, let me, let me just jump around here. So, bum, 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 bum. Okay, so in the early 1970s, uh, Harold Pithoff and Russell Targ, uh, they were in this this uh, institution called SRI, uh, the Stanford Research Institute, and they initiated like these rigorous scientific studies of of uh, paranormal uh, research. And one of the things that they were trying to determine, right, was whether the phenomenon of remote viewing or um, like ESP was real, right? And then they were able to purportedly codify their findings into a teachable and replicatable skill, which is called remote viewing. Oh, okay. Uh, let's see. 
Uh, hang on. Let me jump around here. Let's see. Yeah, it's super, it's super interesting that, you know, our conversation has taken this turn. Um, it's remote viewing is definitely like not something that I've yet branched out into exploring. Uh, but it's a, it's a, it's a term that keeps consistently coming up in some of my, uh, my recent, um, uh, I guess like research and experiences related, relating to other things. Like, as you mentioned, um, like lucid dreaming and astral projection and psychedelics. Um, and so it's, it, it keeps coming up. So it's like been like right there on the forefront of my mind, but I've, I've, I've yet to like pull on that thread. Yep. So I'll pull, pull on that thread. So I mean, like, <laughs> look, look into the, uh, the the work of of Inko Swan and Uri Geller and and uh, Russell Targ like they're kind of like the most famous uh, people who have purportedly have this ability and have been able to teach it to like a cohort of of uh, students right and like among some of their accomplishments are detecting or being able to describe uh, the location of a uh hang on, hang on. Let, let me just pull some of these up let's see yeah go for it man uh viewing one moment yeah so gonna, sorry sorry go ahead yeah i was just gonna mention like have you have you done much uh have you heard much or like kind of like uh like seen any of the teachings of, of paul check by any chance uh, uh yeah he's he's another guy who's, who's appeared on um uh tim ferris's podcast right that sounds very likely I, i've actually haven't heard that podcast if, if that's true i definitely want to check it out but um yeah i mean that, that makes sense so he's like a he's like a holistic health practitioner yep and he's a dude that i've i've followed for the last 10 years and uh, I got into him like for like his fitness and then kind of like from there went out to like branched out into like his nutritional philosophies. Um, but he's he's fully like the way he talks about fitness and nutrition. It's he talks about it on every like aspect of like uh, the physical plane, emotional, mental and spiritual. And uh, he's he's a fascinating dude. I mean, he's got like like beside besides his institute that he he's been teaching for like he's, he's been teaching these uh, holistic health practices for i think his institute's been around for like 20 20 something years yeah um, oh, okay now i remember you had, you had mentioned uh his name before and like yeah you were kind of deeply inspired by uh by his work yeah yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yep, yep yep so he's also he's also a trained shaman um yep. he has a license to to practice uh you know like plant medicines and and uh so a lot of his 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 uh his experience that he relates to that is super fascinating um but something that keeps coming up is i think uh recently i was listening to or watching one of his videos and, and he kept uh remote viewing kept coming up and so that's been kind of uh, starting to pique my interest and i think he mentioned and this is just like i could be wrong but I think he was talking about remote viewing and he was saying that there was there's even like a competition that's that's held annually where psychics get together and, and they, you know, they uh, like compete by, you know, seeing who can who can produce the best, the most accurate results through like some sort of remote viewing challenge. Yep. 
you might you might know about this or oh that's interesting okay i will i will look into that uh, that sounds really interesting oh i found some of the the uh like really like famous and interesting um results right from from this uh from from that program mm-hmm. so they were able to do things like locate uh secret missile installations in the soviet union uh find terrorist groups in the middle east uh successfully remote viewed the interior of the chinese embassy in washington dc um and uh, let's see like what one of the one of the interesting ones um his name is pat price let's see pat price yeah, so if if that is all the case, and if that's accurate, that's just amazing. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable, right? It's it's completely insane. Like the mm-hmm. the 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 possibility that it is a real phenomenon. Like mm-hmm. if it's it's one of the the most like why isn't this being researched more, right? So um, I hopefully you know by bringing more awareness into the field into the topic more people will be inspired to kind of look into it and maybe some people will be inspired to kind of approach it with uh uh like the current generation of researchers will approach it with like Mm. scientific rigor that the Mm. community will be like okay we need to pay more attention to this um you you know what's you know what's funny is a lot sorry to cut you off i just just wanted to like interject really quick um what's funny You know, when there was the, the big anti-cultural movement and the psychedelic stuff and, like, reconnecting with, like, the divine. That was all a, a huge topic in the 60s. And I feel like a lot of that was shut down um, due, due to being, like, very, like, anti-government and all, all that kind of stuff. I wonder if that is has been the reason why this stuff has been underground for so long. Yeah, and it was it's kind of been... Um, like the way it was kind of pushed under the rug was with ridicule, right? Where it was like, mm-hmm. sure, you can you can keep uh, espousing your ideas, whatever, but like this, is, we're just going to frame it in such a way where like, okay, this is all bullshit. This is all crazy, crazy talk, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, definitely within this field, like I'm not going to discount the 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 uh, the fact that there are a lot of like charlatans and like snake oil salesmen and people just trying to scam people with like, mm-hmm. um. And so it's 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 actually it's a very difficult muddy like it's very difficult to wade through all the bullshit, right? Mm-hmm. But you know, it's like like I was saying, it's like when you when you're able to start connecting the disparate dots between different fields of research of uh things that you're interested in. Like, you know, we started out talking about like um uh what uh sleep sleep paralysis right and then that led into a conversation about lucid dreaming and which led into like another wide-ranging conversation about psychedelics which now has led into this conversation about uh about you know like the possibility of of this phenomenon of uh remote viewing and clairvoyance right so like it seems like like the basic the basic the the all the it it's all part of the umbrella of research of of um like research into like altered mental states and what that would be the potential of the human mind basically. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think what 
is to touch on what you're saying it's like what's really great about you know living in 2019 um is that we are living in a world where it's becoming possible to talk about this topic more like intelligently and also like without fearing ridicule too much and there are more people interested in it and so you're able to have more discourse and more conversation and instead of just flatly um kind of like shutting down the idea and like of course like a lot of people will totally be closed off to any and all of these ideas but you don't you don't need to convince somebody right you just need to find um people who are already open-minded and like hopefully some of those people will then be inspired to do more of their own research maybe more more rigorous vigorous vigorous and vigorous uh, uh research into like both the literature and maybe within within themselves and maybe kind of um like i'm not saying like go and try to become like a psychonaut go and start doing you know like like taking illicit substances and uh i'm, I'm also not saying don't do that i'm saying like you need to make a a decision for yourself about how much you want to learn about not just you know yourself but also like about the world around you and how that integrates with each other like what like the relationship between like you and the world and like I, I think you know part of it too is like for me this always comes back to bringing out more and more of my own human potential and like what I'm capable of and I think I'm really only able to express my full potential when I when I uh, kind of unlock more aspects of myself and actualize myself further and further uh beyond like where i'm currently at and like that's expressed through you know like like uh getting into shape eating well of course and also you know just like like building discipline in other areas of your life but also it i i do think it also is about exploring more of the these kind of topics that we don't talk about on a daily basis but these are actually questions that pertain to the fundamental nature of reality, right? So if I think that's a very important thing to kind of explore for just yourself as a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's almost like uh, is Maslow's. Yeah. The bottom, like once you get your, uh, you know, your fitness and the, and then things still go like higher and higher up that pyramid. Yes. And I feel like what that Maslow's hierarchy is trying to uh, trying to describe is like you get your you get your security, you know, your your safety and security and your health, and then you move up. You work, you know, your human relationships. Can you like can you have a conversation? You love, people? and you know, you get your careers. And then, like, going forward, what's next? What's the next step up? You know, yep. so, like, where the, like, the spiritual practices and exploring, like, possibly psychedelics or, or you know, like, lucid dreaming and all that stuff. I feel like that's comes in as the next step. Like, kind of like you were saying, they're very, uh, they're all very better in terms of, you know, their intent and all of these uh, concepts to better themselves. That's kind of 
these where people are going with this whereas like maybe the 60s it's like the people that were into this were uh or yeah. at least labeled as where yeah. now it's like you know you have these incredible like upstanding the people but have these or um top of the society, like leaders of society or uh, leaders in the sense that like their life like perfect expression of their dream and uh they're using their lives to create good and approaching stuff like this like anything um any kind of like spiritual concept or psychedelics or anything like that with approaching it with that uh humility and respect and um the frame of you want to use it to improve yourself i think is just it it's it i totally agree. and i i think that's uh that's a really important distinction i think that you're making where you know back in the 60s back in the uh like the first the first wave of of this kind of uh the cultural impact of these research into these topics it you know like really like the thought leaders of the time where kind of more countercultural kind of rebels like you were saying where it was there was a really like an us versus them mentality where it's like okay there is the authority which is trying to stamp us out and then and then then there's you know like the movement which is trying to you know promote peace and like and there's all this you know like iconography and and uh, uh you know like for example you know um like guns versus flowers like this kind of thing right where it's, it's very much so like like uh it's divisive it's you versus me it's my group versus your group it's tribal right whereas uh nowadays like you were saying and i think largely as a as a direct result of the internet and because of the internet we have this incredible ab ability to propagate information everywhere right we can exchange ideas at a moment's notice like just across the globe and just because of the speed that information travels um like the way that authority gets created is different from like before right so it's like if your ideas are good if you're uh, like a good person like then you can build authority very quickly uh whereas, yeah. like you know um i'm just positing but maybe like in, in the 60s you know it, it's uh it was much more like the, the process by which ideas thrived and by and by which like people became kind of uh well-known and and famous for for certain ideas and became kind of like the the leaders of certain like movements it's everything is kind of different this time around yeah. um, and so it's it's you know like for one thing it's it's a very interesting time to be alive and it's, it's i'm i'm personally really grateful that the world is becoming more open to having these conversations and for this kind of discourse to happen because like it's it's really interesting right because th these are some of like the central questions uh the most interesting questions about about life it, it like it directly pertains to the nature of reality and what is the fabric of mm. of reality right and when you can when you can when you can start to when the idea gets planted in your head uh that you know there is more to life than just like you're born you die and then there's there's so much more potential for for exploration and like 
there's, mm. there's also so much more beauty in the world because it feels like like um there's there's a reason for this chaos for there's like there's meaning to all this like there's a re- there's a meaning to life basically and uh i think that's what a lot of people search for and like like you're saying you know like a lot of people these days um they first start off at the bottom of of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? So, you know, obviously first you need to be able to put food on the table. Uh, and then you have like your, your relationship needs, right? Like your, your physical body needs. Uh, you need to have people you care about and then, and then you need to have, uh, you need to be able to make money to survive. And then like, as you go yeah. higher, higher up, like, uh, um, like, you know, like these guys, like, uh, like Tim Ferriss and like they spent their entire lives chasing self-improvement. They figured out every other aspect of their life. And now they're devoting uh, their time to to exploring like the frontiers of of like these topics, which kind of have the potential to yield incredible insights, uh, which could be very transformative, not just for the individual, but for <laughs> the world. Right. Um, I, I think and I think you were leading up to say this as well, but in, especially with 2019 we're in the world, like health of the we're in a time where we need to have to explore uh, for these, you know, various like tools and states of mind. Um, it, we, you know, it, like more than we've ever needed it. Like this is the time, you know? Yep. I totally agree. Yep. Um, yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. And whether or not they're useful or not, they need to be explored. Yep. So hopefully, I think, you know, what I'm hoping with this podcast, well, a couple things, you know, for one thing, it's just super awesome to connect with you and uh, be on the same, be able to have a conversation with somebody on the same wavelength uh, and who has kind of like dived into like a lot of the, uh, a lot of the work that other people have done um, to be able to have this kind of a conversation, a conversation of this depth. So thank Tony, thanks for uh, coming onto this podcast to, to do this with me. This has been like a real pleasure for me actually a, a real treat and you know and it's, it's, it certainly was a surprise as well i thought we were going to talk about like japan and, and cars <laughs> and maybe like what we've been up to recently but yeah this was a, a surprise so it's been it's been really good man yeah and and um yeah yeah we we i, I had written down like this whole list of all these different topics we can talk about but you know that that also is one of the beautiful things about the podcasting medium you can kind of meander and go into like these different threads and these talk about these different things and you know what i love about podcasting is like the the consumption pattern that people have like people who are listening to this right now they're probably driving or they're going for a walk or they're jogging right it's not like when you're sitting down to watch a youtube video you that's you have to be doing just one thing because it's engaging both your 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 listening and your watching um, but with podcasting, you can when you're listening to something, you can be listening and doing something else, right? So that allows you to relax and kind of like just like let the conversation go where it needs to go and come back to it. And you're not like with YouTube videos, right? With me, I'm always worried about maintaining the audience's attention at every moment, or they're gonna look away. And once they look away, it's done. Like they're they're on to the next thing, right? Yep. Yep. So that's one of the great things about uh, these podcasts. Oh, yeah. And also to close off that previous um, thought that I just kind of like let disappear. Um, what I'm really hoping with this podcast is that people who are listening to this are not dismissive of 
these ideas that we've talked about, like a lot of these ideas are really out there, um, but they there's a lot of really interesting uh, like literature out there that if you take the time to kind of dive into a little bit, um, you'll find some really interesting stuff. And it, it can be a lot of fun just to just like start off as a pet project, uh, as a pet interest, and just kind of uh, get like go deeper and deeper into it. But like, at the, you know, at the same time, Tony, for me, what I'm worried as well is that this might uh, make, in, in a sense, like radicalize people by making them like conspiracy theorists. And, you know, you, you like these rabbit holes get really deep and where you can get into like a really deep rabbit hole of like really, really, really deep bullshit. So it, be, it can become very hard to differentiate. And, you know, for every individual person, like, like, like depending on what they read before, it might influence what they then read next. And then you can kind of like go down like this vicious cycle of going down like this crazy rabbit hole. Uh, and then you build up like this, a, uh, uh, um, you you end up self-confirming all of these beliefs that you had. Like this is even something I cons- I'm very deeply concerned about mm. like, myself, right? I'm always like trying to like think about and assess the veracity of these sources that I'm uh, that I'm like like researching about, right? Uh, but like that being said, there's always a balance because sometimes there's like hidden gems here and there that you have to like wade through and sift through. And then you take some of these things and like, okay, this is kind of vibe with me. And then you kind of go through like another thing is, and you learn a little bit more about this. I'm like, okay, I'm not sure about all this, but this kind of stuff vibes with me. So it, it's, it's always this continuous process. Right. Uh, but for me, it's kind of like you're constantly things. like attuning to a compass, you know, you go yeah. a little bit off course, but then you're correcting. Yes. Yes. And you're always looking for more, and hopefully accurate uh, signposts that that'll give you kind of a uh, that'll help you with your bearing, right? So, uh, you know, like there will always be like these weird magnetic disturbances that kind of pull you one way or the other. But hopefully, uh, your com- over time your compass becomes more like finely tuned, more accurate, and you develop more rigorous protocols for uh, for assessing information. So. Yeah, I guess that's the other thing. Like, I hope people get out of this. You know, it's like, don't take everything that we're saying at face value. Learn to assess uh, the things that you are reading about, researching. um, And be, like, at the same time, also, like, don't let it, like, encompass your entire life, right? Don't become, like, a crazy person, I guess I'm trying to say. Uh, Just have fun with it. Explore it. And try to uh, expand your mind a bit. I guess that's all I can say about it, really. Yeah, I think that's fantastic advice. Um, yeah, it's, it's for me, it's like, I know a lot of people are kind of like, they're all about growth for growth's sake. But for me, I feel like growth is just a side product of, you know, going for what you want. And so for me, it's like, I kind of have my, my dream, uh, my dream like life that's constantly uh, at the tip of my compass. And then all of, as all of these like concepts that I explore arise on the side, they're kind of like byproducts. And as I sort through them, it helps me on along on my path. So that's kind of the way that I see it. Yep. It's all tools to get to go. It's tools to get to a certain place, but it's also the journey that you're enjoying at the same time. 
Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, that's absolutely it. it it's like a, you, you can't lose sight of the uh, well, like the the path while you're looking at the mount, like the mountain that you're trying to climb, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's uh, man, we we've been talking for a while now. This is this... we got to wrap it up pretty soon. Actually, I, I've got a barbecue coming up, uh, so I got to start getting ready for that. that um, great. But but like. Let, Let's say like the counter is at 50 minutes right now for this current segment. Um, let's wrap it up in an hour. How's that? We'll, uh, we'll, we'll give ourselves 10 more minutes to kind of tie up some loose ends. And if there's any particular thing that you want to touch on, you want to talk about, uh, let's, let's uh, dive into it. So let's make a clean break from this particular topic right now. And um, let's yeah, see what are some of the other say, things I was hoping we would talk about. I was going to okay. say it's- it's, Hello? it's it's got to be a, a little bit quicker for me. Sorry, say again. Oh, I was gonna say uh, it's gonna need to be a little bit quicker to wrap it up for me. Okay. 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 Yeah, I, ideally be like like five to ten minutes, um, which is unfortunate. But I yeah I, I kind of I got to get going. Um, no 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 yeah that's what I said too like around ten minutes so cool, five cool, to cool. ten minutes yeah cool, perfect. Cool. Uh so yeah so that that was a really really interesting tangent really interesting conversation uh, that we just had. Hopefully you guys who are listening enjoy that. Uh, so Tony, is there anything else that you, you want to talk about for like the next five or ten minutes? Um, yeah, you know, I'm just like, I'm. This is more like just personally because it's been a while since we've since you and I have hung out. Um, we've had like a few conversations over the last couple of years. Um, I think the last time we hung out was actually when you were in LA. But yeah, man, yep. I, I guess I'm just like I'm curious. Uh, to hear like what's up what's up with you in terms of um like your journey i mean like last time we hung out like you were fully immersed in like the youtube stuff and the, the car scene and uh you were working a pretty awesome job so i'm just, I'm just curious like uh like how things might have like progressed over the last couple of years and like what might be going on for you these days Man, there's there's been it's just been like this insane uh roller coaster and so when when i met you in in LA at that time, right? So I, I had just uh, started this uh, tech job. Um, I had left my uh, English teaching life career uh, in Gunma and had made the move to Tokyo. I found an awesome job at a at a tech company, which uh, an American tech company, mm-hmm. and and so they had sent me to the states for training. And uh, so I was just you know just really hyped up, really excited about the future. And uh, I remember you came with me and. I had a meetup, right, with some of my fans. Yep. And yep. Uh, we we met like a whole bunch of them. It was like 50 people came out. It was super insane. I was like, I can't believe this is a thing. And they took us out and we went for this amazing drive into the mountains, right? It was just this incredible experience. And so this was uh, last, uh, almost a year and a half now ago. Almost wow, two years it's ago. Been that long. It's almost, yeah, almost two years ago. Because uh, it was, I believe it was uh november or december um 2017 right yes it was december i think it was december 2017 it was i think it was before christmas anyways yep um, yep because that was so, around the time when i bought my my miata which was uh which was a product of that experience yes that's right because uh you had had a chance to come out with uh with the guys and and uh with some of my fans and they convince you right the answer is always Miata, right? <laughs> exactly. And uh, and then what happened, right? With we had some really deep 
conversations at that time too kind of like planning out where our life was going to go right and like mm-hmm. we'll, we'll talk about it in a future podcast but you know cool. me and you we have taken the time to write down our dream life in like five and then 10 years like what does that look like get really clear about it and like kind of yep. write it down and and so you can uh you know you can visualize it you can make it concrete and you can make it something that you believe can be manifested and can exist right so yep. like when you like the way I tried to approach it was like, okay, I can't just imagine I'm going to be like this millionaire, right? I need to, I need to, I need to have a very clear and concrete image of what that life looks like, and then be able to um, work backwards and figure out what is the previous step to that. What does that look like six months before that? What does it look like one year before that? What does it look like two years, three years, five years before that? Yep, yep. Which allows you to create this roadmap. Right. And like, that's the most important thing, I think, because then it doesn't become this pie in the sky kind of uh, thing where you're like, okay, in my ideal future, if all the stars lined up, then that's where I could be. Right. It's like uh, if, if I walk down this crowded intersection on the highway and just try to walk across it and by chance, no car hits me, I could get to that spot. Right. Mm. Uh, whereas what we were saying was like, okay, let's try to anticipate all these different pitfalls and all these places where you might get hit and how you would avoid them and what you would do in this situation. And you can kind of, you can kind of create this, like this flow chart or this, this literally like a map. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like, that's what I had tried to do. And then it was also like kind of getting very clear about what that idea was. Uh, so anyways, that's one thing that we had done. Right. And so I personally feel like in the past year and a half, like I've made really significant strides towards, towards that. And I don't want to kind of like ex- explain exactly what it is for the audience because I feel like when you do that, that kind of takes away some of the power of it. It should be something kind of personal uh, mm-hmm. in a sense, right? Where it's like, it's kind of like when you tell everybody you're going to work out, then telling people or, or like that takes away the power of it because you get the kind of excitement of telling people your plans without actually having to do them. Mm, so for sure. And then for me, it's it's also you have to deal with the... Uh, like the social like repercussions, which could either be positive or negative. Yes. So but, it could be know, it, it most have... likely it'll be negative because like, you know, people will be like, if you, if your ambitions are too crazy for them, they will scoff. And mm-hmm. then getting that feedback from your close friends and, and family will, will demotivate you. Um, and, and uh, you know, like the, the flip side is if, if, um, if if they cheer you on, that can create too much pressure for you. So it is uh, it, it, it's double edged sword, right? Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, so to to go back to uh, two years ago when we had some of those conversations on that long drive to uh, to was it to L.A. It was LA, yeah, it was, wasn't it? It was us. We were going from San Francisco to L.A. Yeah. Oh, what a what a great drive! Um, and at the time, you know, like the channel was was growing, like I was experiencing like a lot of growth and it was at about 35,000 subscribers. Wow. And, and you're, um, to, you're like approaching 200 at this point, right? Yeah, it'll be 200 by the end of the year. So it's like 100, just about 165,000 now, which is completely Man. insane to me. And it's crazy because like a lot of the things that I was hoping, it played out the th- the way that I thought it would play out, which was when you build authority in a specific niche and you become kind of like a, a respected and trusted public figure, uh, 
and people like you for you because of your personality and your and your content, then all these doors will start opening up beyond YouTube. So what you need to do, like the way I always planned it was that like, okay, I'm not going to be like just this YouTuber forever. I'm going to have like mass, like, I don't know, like 500,000 subscribers, a million subscribers, and I'll just be like a YouTuber, which is like, that's fine, actually. If It all, it all depends on what your goal is. Uh, but for me, one of my goals was to kind of leverage that, kind of like authority that I had and, and would continue to build up mm. into something like a uh, like an audience with a production house or like a like a studio, like a big studio, which I could then pitch some of my ideas to. And that's exactly what happened. It's exactly what happened. It's so crazy, right? I've started getting in touch with all these like production studios and uh, and um and like big, big uh, networks. And uh, just last night, actually, like the, the, the president of a studio who I shouldn't name, I guess, like I'm not like under NDA or anything, but I, I probably shouldn't mention. Like um, mm. he's, he's, he's saying like, uh, we want you on a team. Um, like, would you be interested in working on like some big budget projects with us? Like, uh, we're not sure like exactly what role, like, even to say the specific role, maybe I shouldn't say, um, but like, like this kind of thing is happening. Right. And it's all as a result, I think of like having had the confidence that this was a possible, uh, like growing a YouTube channel mm-hmm. was a viable method to gaining an audience with these very, very uh, like uh, gatekeepers for like Hollywood or gatekeepers for like, like big budget movie industry TV, right? Mm. And like that's exactly how it played out. It's it's really it's really awesome. So, um, you know, like a lot of these things are still under under development, and I'm still like like constantly in discussion with all these different parties. And like I know I'm being like very ambiguous and vague about it, um, but you know, hopefully the people who are listening, hopefully people who are fans of of my content and the channel. Uh, can rest assured that, like you know, for the past two years, I've just been grinding like nonstop and just trying to, get, trying to take this to the next level, basically. And at the same time, um, like that being said, like there's one, it it is really cool to be working on like big budget projects, but there's also like there's a beauty to YouTube, and to even like Instagram, and basically having content on a platform that you control wholly, that is like super important. And so maybe that is one of like the lessons that. We, uh, that I'm hoping to impart on on people listening, it's it's like there's so much power uh, and responsibility, right? It's it both flips, it's both sides of the same coin. There's like sure. there's a lot of power and responsibility that comes with building up an audience uh, and um, and kind of like thought leadership in whatever niche they. Hey, Tony. Hey, Elbow. What's up, man? 
Amen. Okay, so uh, we took a bit of a sabbatical there, about a one and a half hour break, just to see if uh, we can get the app working again. So hopefully it'll be okay now. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's kind of wrap this up. Maybe like another ten fifteen minutes. Uh, cool. Sounds good. Yeah. So man, that was so long ago now. I forgot exactly what we were talking about. Uh, I think we were trying to wrap up our conversation uh, about you know the importance of 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 you know like uh, diving into some of this. Uh, this literature, some some of this research, if you're interested, and how it's uh, it might be beneficial for you know for people, for you as a person, and you know just for your life. What are your thoughts? For sure, um, I definitely, at least in my own experience, I've noticed that uh, these topics, these kind of like esoterical topics, are better dived into when you feel. Um, well, I, I mean, I guess it depends which, uh, which specific topic, but at least for me, I know that it comes to me when I'm ready to experience it. <clears throat> In other right. words, like there's like what separates like the, you know, what we call like the flat earthers from like the people who are being uh, skeptical and responsible and approaching things with a, uh, with a willingness to learn and maybe even a discipline to be uh, methodical and, and to, to not blindly believe in things, but to try them and experience them for themselves. Yep. And so I think that's, that's very important Yeah. to, to approach right. it with their level of respect. Yes. I, I think um, that's, that's definitely one of the keys. I think, you know, it's when you approach the conversation just from a very, uh, like you, you might even say like like a, a logical framework where it's like, okay, here here's a crazy idea. Then your natural inclination is to just you know based on your own preconceived notions and things that you already your, your accumulated experience in your own life. If it has nothing to do with that sphere, you know there's propensity to kind of reject a lot of the ideas wholesale. Whereas maybe if you had you know some like a like um like for example like a psychedelic experience which might open your mind to the possibility like because you have this experience which you can't quite it doesn't fit with your existing paradigm right and then once you have that experience that doesn't fit with the paradigm then you need to, you realize your current paradigm is not uh adequate to explain that experience that you that you just had right so then you have to start looking for uh you have to like investigate like okay different things now okay like how does it fit into this this uh into this picture like do i have to to change some of my belief systems do i have to like change it entirely and then you know then i think that is when like you're saying you can become open to um to like some of these new ideas so i think you know at this like like what you were saying, how it, it comes to you at the right time. I think, you know, what in practice, what that ends up being is in your daily life, if you feel like you're at the point where you're, you're kind of searching for something and then maybe you start, you know, uh, for different people, it might be different method methodologies. Like, you know, you might get into like meditation, you might become more spiritual in whatever, like a major religion you might, 
uh, dive into like the psychedelics, like this kind of thing. Uh, and then maybe that is kind of like the, uh, the, where the gateway opens for you to kind of like opening yourself up to um, more of these things, which are, which are kind of outside of the, the uh, like pop culture uh, or just like, just, uh, like normal people's daily lives and their experience and, and the conversations that they have. So maybe, maybe that's the way to kind of go about it. You can't force people. Is, I think is what I'm trying to say. You, you have to maybe be like a beacon for them <laughs> and maybe, have a platform where people who respect you and who listen to you and who who, who appreciate uh, the ideas that you bring forth. Um, I think that's what we are doing, like with this platform, right? like on this podcast. Like, um, you know, you, you you can you can only give somebody uh, uh, like you can show them the way, but you can't make them do it. You can't make them walk the walk. It's something they have to do on their own. For sure, and. I also feel like a big part of it is just um, teaching through example or leading through example. And I wouldn't necessarily say that like I'm trying to lead anything at this point, but in terms of like being like the best way that you can um, impart like an idea or, or, or like really like give the gift of like some valuable knowledge to a person is to just live it yourself. Yeah. And, and that, that, that means like doing the work yourself, putting in the work, because most people don't want to put in the work, you know, and, and, and that's fine. But like, you know, some people want to like get interested in a topic and they want to explore more. And I think, uh, you know, like we kind of got started on the lucid dream stuff. And for me, that's definitely my thing right now. So um, kind of like one of the meta goals that... I want to achieve through this is to uh, have these experiences and learn and just share them and, um, you know, share them openly and honestly. And, you know, I'm not trying to like push anything on anybody. Um, but if, if people like hear that and they resonate with that, then they might be inspired to do as I've done and go try it, you know, investigate and uh, try it for themselves. So I think like, uh, like to kind of like summarize that idea is just like, it's just the idea that I think, uh, being the example of, of the things that uh, maybe like, like say like fitness or nutrition, you know, just like be the, be the health, be the person that's out there. Fire uh, other people when they see you as an example, I don't yeah. like push anything on anybody. Yes, yes, yes. And then through kind of people watching your own journey, um, they can be inspired. They can follow your path. Are you still there, man? Yeah, yeah, I'm still here. Can you hear me? Hello? Hello? Yep. Yeah, can you hear me? Yep, yep. Okay. Cut out for a minute there. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I was saying, um, yeah, like through, I think through the process of, you know, both documenting and also talking about your journey and the things you've been through, um, like you were saying, if, if that comes to resonate with some people, uh, then hopefully they can learn something from you know the experiences that you had. Like especially if you come from like an authentic place and you're not trying to like like a like a, like misrepresent anything. You know, just this is your honest mm-hmm. experience. Like, and that's that's actually very valuable. I think. Kind of like leaving your agenda out of it, or or you know not having an agenda, but just uh, 
kind of like showing the truths of, you know, if, if, if it's a good thing, then you'll be a demonstration of those things and people will, will notice. Yes. I think I've noticed from your journey, it seems that that's, I mean, you're the, you're the shining example of that. Um, you know, you started, you came to Japan and you started with the English teaching and you got into like some of the online platforms with blogging and, um, uh, YouTubing and stuff. And, you know, it started out as kind of like a, like a hobby or like a small passion. Um, but as it grew, uh, I think like, I know that you like to share a lot of your, um, like personal experiences and kind of like the meta, uh, it's, you're not just about like the drifting scene or Japan or, um, any of the things you talk about, there's, I think what people like about you is there's that meta level of like, yeah, I did this thing, but here's how I did this thing. And, mm. uh, I think like people are inspired by that. So that's, that's, I think, uh, a lot of people are, are watching and listening, uh, for that reason as well. Thank you, ma'am. Yeah. That, that's, yeah, that's definitely something I've, uh, tried to be very cognizant about. I think it's, I think for you know for anybody who's an aspiring like creator or somebody who's trying to put out a creative work into the world, um, I mean I definitely find it's much more. I mean both enjoyable for me. Uh, it also creates um, like more opportunity later on if you know you're able to show both not just not just not just put out content, for example, about the thing that you're making content about, like whatever niche it is, whatever world it's in. But yeah. when you're able to relate that to your own personal experience and your own transformative journey, um, that's when, you know, it, it, it the, uh, you're able to, on some level, maybe elevate that content from being just like, just another informational piece. Because like part of it, like part of the reason people uh, well, part of the reason YouTube is so awesome is because you're able to really get a person's take on something. And then when you know who that person is on a much deeper level, then there's a, you know, there's, there's much more potential for their take on it to resonate with you because you're like, oh, I'm a similar type of person as this person. So what they have to say is directly relevant for me and it's much more likely to resonate. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, and it's, it's very relatable. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost as if, and actually like, I can't take credit for this, this analogy, but it's, it's like, cause I, I heard this recently in another podcast, but it's as if they're there with you, like hanging out or, you know, like, like, let's say we're making a podcast. It's as if the listener is there in the room in yeah. on the conversation like a fly on the wall right mm-hmm. yeah just like a fly on the wall just listening in absolutely and uh i think like and the youtube is is like slightly different but I, I feel like it's almost like the way a lot of creators present their material it's like they're talking directly to you as a listener yes so i think there's a potential uh to really resonate on to connect on that level where whereas like uh, let's say you're, you know you're watching like something on public TV. It's going to be way different, you know, like yeah. much much less uh, personal. Yes, it's for a broad yeah. audience, right? So mm-hmm. 
they can't appeal to you know, just one type of person. It has to appeal. It has to be mass market. It has to be something that advertisers can, you know, put money against. So it, it can definitely dilute um, whatever that one creator's intent, whatever their message is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, and like, authenticity as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And even for me, like that's something that like more and more is is coming to the forefront of of my attention and something I need to be very cognizant about, you know, especially Mm -hmm. once, you know, working with these big studios and stuff. Um, Like I personally worry about the, the difficulties of keeping my uh, like my voice on it, like make, making it so that, you know, it's uh, it doesn't become the message that I want to put out personally. doesn't become diluted by, whatever mm-hmm. other interests whatever stakeholders uh, are involved so it's you know i'm always thinking about that and yeah i mean that's a valid concern um you know it's like it seems like a lot of people sell out you know yeah but um i think i think like your mindset in your yourself in your your message i i think the fact that you have that in your awareness uh shows that you know you'll you'll be ready to uh to effectively like deal with those kinds of uh, situations if they arise so yeah mm, i hope so thanks man thanks for the yeah. confidence so let's wrap for it up sure. i gotta i gotta head cool. off to uh to this barbecue uh it's been a pleasure it's been really great we gotta reconnect let's do this again let's make this regular i think you're one of my favorite guests on the elbow show i think this was a really awesome wide-ranging conversation aside from our technical difficulties um it was really fun and maybe next time we can get a bit more focused but yeah it was just great to bounce all over the place actually for sure i feel like we have so much more to talk about as well um we'll have that to, uh to look forward in the next episode but uh yeah man it's been so great talking to you and just uh even just catching up and uh seeing what's been going on so um Awesome. Yeah. How about, Thanks a lot for inviting me. Of course. Of course. Where can people find you? What, uh, where can they keep up with what, with what you've been up to? And uh, yeah. So where should people just look for yourself? Yeah. So I became active on YouTube again. Um, if you just search my name, Tony Michael head, I'll show up um, and check out my lucid dream sagas and as well as uh, some of my other uh, esoterical conversation. Awesome. And, and I will yeah. definitely, hopefully, I hope to be on that show as well, on your show. So let's, uh, let's set something up in the near future, and it'll be great. All right. It sounds great. Looking forward to having you. All right. Cool, man. So I'm going to let you go. Yep. And uh, once again, thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, definitely check out some of Tony's work, and hopefully uh, we'll have you on, this, on the show uh, very soon again. So thanks again, man. Cool. Thanks a lot. See you guys. Have a good night Mm. over there. Mm. Bye. All right. Bye.